Yo, what's good people? It's Jay Cactus and we're back again with episode 13 of Cactus Convos. In today's episode, I've got yet another sick guest with me. This guy is produced for some of the biggest names in the UK, some grime legends such as P-Money, JME, Wiley, Jammer, and many, many more. He goes by Audio Slugs. What's good, my bro? What are you saying, bro? Yeah, I'm all, I'm all good, man. I'm all good. I appreciate good, you coming man. on, man, because from speaking with you recently, it seems like you're juggling a lot right now, like... You, for a start, you're working a nine to five, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like nine, to five, nine, to... nine to five, quote unquote, because I work seven till half three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, still like a, a full time job plus. Yeah, yeah. Making how many beats did you just say you made today? Fucking man, twelve, twelve today, twelve today, twelve beats today. To be to and... be fair though, I've been off work today. I've been off work today. All right, okay, okay, that makes sense then. But even still, man, like working full time. Make, I know you make a lot of beats and then juggling everything else as well, like posting constantly on social media. You're starting to get into like editing, doing like mixing, everything. So talk to me about how you even manage your time. Like what does a normal day look like for you? Like how are you, how are you separating everything? Do you know what? I do as much as physically possible. Because I mean, mm. I, we'll, we've had this conversation like 4,000 times, but I'm yeah, like yeah. a huge advocate for quantity over quality. And yeah. I believe like it's how I got it's how I got ever into the position that I currently am if that is even a position that people want but like um yeah, like, it's yeah. a position I wanted at a certain point so like, I got there because I literally just produced as much as physically possible like nobody I'm outside of London so nobody knew right me or my name or anything so the only way i was going to get noticed by anybody was literally just producing as many beats as physically possible so that's how i look at it every day like for instance like a, a specific day would be yeah i go to i wake up at six in the morning i go to work i do my full day of work but obviously i go on my phone as much as physically possible as i can when yeah, i'm at yeah, work yeah. but um do all my social stuff that i need to do keep up with with whatever i need to do watch youtube tutorials or podcasts or whatever and then i come home and as soon as i'm at home it's like it's essentially like starting another shift because yeah. i get home i drop my bag i get changed and whatnot i sit in the studio for five hours produce then i go have dinner and and obviously i'm married as well so i sit down with my wife for an hour and then um and then when we get upstairs into bed, I've got another laptop, which is more portable, obviously. And then I, yeah. I sit there and I produce again, or I do whatever I need to in the evening, whether it be uploading to YouTube or doing beat stars. At the moment, I'm trying to start my mm. beat stars. So doing that, um, or like, yeah, or editing, because obviously I've just got into the editing side of things. So yeah, yeah. I basically work eight hours and then I come home and I work another eight hours and then I go to bed about 11 or 12 whenever I can like shut my laptop and start all over again. <laughs> right, sounds mad. And what, just giving your wife one hour out of the day? Is she not giving you shit about that? Or has it just got to a point where, you know what, you've spent so much time together, so... You know what, we've like... been together, yeah? So I'm 28. Jesus Christ, yeah. I have to think about that because I'm getting old. <laughs> but um, I'm 28, so like, um, we've been together for 11 years now. 11 years, yeah. I think we've been together, 10 years. Um, and so since we've been together, I've always been doing music. And so therefore, right. it's, it's not like... It, don't get me wrong, like, obviously music takes up a lot of time so there's certain yeah, times yeah. where like obviously i have to prioritize her over mm. music or things but that's not down to her that's down to like my decision do you know what i mean yeah so yeah. like i'm and she's always like fully accepting and and to be honest with you have more motivational than anybody else's to me to do yeah. music do you know what i mean so she she'll literally tell me like you need to produce or you need to be in the studio doing this and you need to concentrate on you and whatnot do you know what i mean so yeah, that's man. good that you have that because 
I imagine a lot of people would be like, you're not spending any time with me. Like, put down your laptop. We need to do something. You know what I mean? Mm. And that can be, although it's like good spending time with people, but if it's taking time away from your craft and what you want to do, then it can be a bit of a sticky one. But it, it seems like you've got a good balance. You've got a good understanding. So, yeah, yeah man, I guess it I works. I think the thing is as well, yeah, it's, it's not even just spending time together. Like, we've got a house, yeah? So we do, like, the housework yeah. stuff together. But, like, it's, right. the, the thing is, is that, like, um, you have to... I think you have you have to find a, a good balance, but at the same time, you have to um, take time away from producing too. You can't sit yeah. in front of a like. Uh, don't get me wrong; I've done it. I've sat in front of a laptop for twelve hours and and produced and and yeah. twenty four hours at sometimes. You know what I mean? When I was in uni and things like that, but um, it's not. It ain't good for you. So like, if you sit there for no, if if you think in your head like, I'll sit down for a consolidated or a concentrated um, five hours where I'm going to do everything I need to do today, then you've got yeah. the rest of the day. Do you know what I mean? Like, if if it's a That's if true. it's a Saturday, for instance, I'll wake up sometimes at six, seven o'clock on a Saturday still, do my five hours, and it's it's only lunch. Do you know what I mean? It's twelve, yeah. it's midday. So like, oh, and yeah, then yeah. we can do stuff for the rest of the day, whether it be housework, whether it be having a couple of drinks with some of our friends or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's it's standard. Yeah, that makes sense. I guess it's just how how you actually spend the time that you have on certain things. Like, because if if you're just sitting around on the computer and maybe you're just watching a few videos and stuff. And then you start making a beat. But if you're just spending them solid five hours just purely doing what you need to be doing, then it's a bit different. You're not you're not fucking around. You're not really just wasting time. You know what I'm saying? Do you know Do you know what's funny on that point? That it's I hate having a job. Yeah, hate it. Like because yeah. like, all I want to be doing with my time is music. Like don't get me wrong. Yeah, yeah. But that's the only thing that it comes in handy for. Because I mean, people will know when you're at work and you can watch videos on your phone and stuff. You get that yeah. YouTube thing out of your system because when you come home, you don't want to waste time sitting watching three, four, five hours worth of YouTube videos because you've just done it at work. So yeah, therefore, I'm not going to come home and watch YouTube videos. I've just watched all the YouTube videos. So now I'm going to come home and concentrate on exactly what I want to do and what gets me out of my job. Yeah, I suppose it's good that you've got a job that kind of allows you to do that. Maybe they don't know that you're doing it, but if you're just watching videos or a podcast, you just got a, a headphone in, an AirPod or whatever, but some jobs... You might not even be able to do that. You might just have to be strictly like in the office on the phone constantly and you don't yeah, have any to time fair, to, to listen to stuff. Yeah, it hasn't always been like that. Uh, I've been yeah. there for five years now, working there for five years. And right. this year, uh, post-COVID has been where it's yeah. been like, I've been in a position where it's lenient enough for me to be able to sit, like stand on my phone for however however long I really need to for a day. But that's because yeah. my role allows it. But the role that I had previously... <laughs> was um a bit more stringent. I couldn't really just sit on my phone all the time. Or I, actually, I say that I lie a little bit. I, I could get away <laughs> with a lot of time being on my phone, but I was in. I was yeah. more of like a management role, so there was a, a lot more pressure on me to do stuff. Whereas right. now things are a lot more stripped back, so there's there's no pressure. Yeah, one thing with with work and getting promotions and stuff, it's a bit of a sticky one because. Like when I was working, every time that they'd offer a promotion and it came with a pay rise and everything, and it seemed like a good thing, but then the higher up you go, the more responsibilities you've got, and then the less time you've got to do what you actually want to be doing, and it's a it's an evil cycle, man. It's it's something it's easy to fall into. Yeah, it's a hundred percent. Do you know? And the and the worst thing is, is that I never thought about it that way until I was in that position because I was yeah. in uni. I'd done uni for three years, and I don't think I ever really thought. I always thought that music was feasible, but I think I had a yeah. skewed um, outlook on how I was actually going to get to the point where I was going to make money. Because like the right. doing beats on on um, beat stars and YouTube and things, that was all like relatively new 
to, yeah, to like yeah. the scene, so to speak. And I was very much a grime head back then as well, where it was strictly I was only producing grime, so I was only doing what that community was doing. Right. And um, I, I remember saying, I said to my missus, I said like, as soon as we as soon as we leave uni, I'm going to go get a job and I'm going to get as much money as possible because yeah. we struggled throughout them three years or whatever in uni because obviously you're skint when you're a student and yeah, she lived with me. Um, and so I did that. I did exactly that. I went and got a job. I got the promotions. We got the house. We we got married we, and all these types of things. But like you said, yeah. with the pay rise comes like a bit more of entrapment and you end up like, yeah, instead yeah. of wanting that money, you end up needing that money to get through. Yeah. And you end up buying certain things. Like the more money you get, you might buy a better phone. People might buy a better car. And it's just like the more money you get, the more money you start spending and you're not in a better situation. You might, it might look like you're getting more, but the reality is you're spending more. And it's like, again, man, it's a trap. The the sick thing is, is that, um, is that I probably had more spare money when I was in uni and I didn't have a job. Do you know what I mean? Seems crazy, doesn't it? It's that mad. And I was, and I was, I mean, I can't even remember realistically looking back on it, what it it worked out to be. I think it was like £2,000 every three months. Yeah. Or something along them lines. Something like that. And so, yeah, like, I mean, that was beer money and that's all that was. But like, it, yeah, it literally, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, uh, it's crazy when you look at it like that. I was probably making about six grand a year in uni, not even making it. And I was just you probably getting living six more grand a year. Yeah, and probably more comfortable. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, it, it, that's crazy to think about. I, I wonder what it is. Well, it's basically what we just said in it, but yeah. I think at, at uni as well, especially for things like, like nights out, or you, you don't really care about like what you're drinking what you're wearing as much you're not really spending a lot on your clothes and everything it's just like you know what whatever goes you're just chilling most of the time when you're not in your in your lectures did, did you so, go to uni did you yeah i, I went yeah. to uni but to me it was it was a waste of time for me like i liked the experience and everything but if i could turn back time i probably wouldn't have gone just knowing how much money you actually spend to go to uni and it's skills that i'd never use now i did more of a a general course i wasn't like specific in one thing it was like multimedia so i was just learning like bits of everything so i came out of that course thinking oh i've i've learned nothing i've maybe picked up little bits here and there but i could have just googled it you know what i mean it wasn't anything too crazy and then you start paying your student loan back and you're like what the fuck have i just spent like i, I was lucky i got it in the last year when it was what like three grand a year and then obviously yeah, you take your loans to like live and everything is that when you started that. as well? No, no, no. It was a year after. <coughs> oh, I, got, shit. I think it was nine, nine thousand six hundred a year or something. I think in total oh. with your uni fees, it works out about twelve grand a year. I've got about fifty grand worth of debt. I think it is. That's crazy to think about. So what? Such, do, yeah. do you think it was worth it? Not at all. It, it, yeah. The thing is, though, is I can't. I, I, I try to have the outlook. Yeah, like no regrets and that in it. Like yeah, uh, as cliche yeah. as, as cliche as it is, I um yeah. If I could, it, the thing is in my mindset now. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't go to uni. But the thing is, I yeah. didn't have that mindset back then. So I probably, if if I could repeat everything over, I probably would do the exact same thing <laughs> like, ac- across the board, to be honest. Um, and yeah. It's easy to look back now, isn't it, and say, nah, I didn't really need that. But at the time, you're not really thinking like that. You've got a completely different mindset. See, I've done, I done music in uni. I've done music in college yeah. and I've done music in uni. And um, I, like, we turned up to... Oh, I'm, obviously, I've been super into music from for ages, like, yeah, yeah. But um, we turned up to to uni. I don't really know what I expected, but we turned up to uni first day in a lecture. And uh, the lecturer said, like, how many people in this room have used Pro Tools or heard of Pro Tools? Yeah. Five people put their hands up in a class of 30 people. 
like me, me, my brethren who I was going with, and then two mm. other people who ended up being my brethren's meeting them for uni, and then one other yeah. guy who was a super, he's a super sick engineer. I don't, I don't know if he still does engineering, but he was so good in uni. Um, right. Five people, though, out of 30, put their hand up on an audio production course. Uh, well, it was, sorry, it was popular music production is what it was, but it was like tailored yeah. towards mixing and mastering. It wasn't tailored towards actual producing. And um, yeah, five people put their hands up. It was just a load of people who, couldn't make it onto the performance course who went onto that course and it, it, it as soon oh, as that happened my whole um mindset on uni changed literally that first day and i, yeah. I graduated i graduated with 13 percent attendance and <laughs> I, li- I think i was one i think it's one percent i think that's one percent over what the minimum is otherwise i would have got a like a fell i was kind of similar to be fair i don't think it was like that bad but my mindset kind of changed as well. I think I went to uni because everyone just says that's the thing to do, especially parents and teachers. They're like, they want you in that cycle where you just need to have security and be comfortable. And, you know, you go to school, go to college, go to uni, get a job, and then that's it. So that's why I followed that path. But when I was in uni and going to them lessons and not really learning shit, and it wasn't really anything that I was interested in or anything that I wanted to do after uni, I was just like, why am I doing this? But I thought because I've started, I didn't want to drop out I might as well just get the degree so I've, so I've got it there. So I think I, I just about passed. I didn't get any like two ones or anything. I just got the degree. So that was it. I don't I don't I don't even think I've got my grade on my CV. Like I think I just put that oh, I went yeah. to university. I don't think I even I got a two one, but I don't think I actually even put the grade. I think I just yeah. put the name of the university and the course that I done and that's that's it. Like and that's how useless it is. And that piece of paper is worth nothing now. Even if, even if you yeah. want to actually work a, a normal job like yeah, even yeah. if you want to work that piece of paper is worth nothing everyone asks for videos now everybody wants a video cv or they want to see that you've you've done x y and z outside of of your like social life do you know what i mean they don't want they yeah. don't care do you know what i mean they don't care no yeah cares. it's more about experience isn't it whenever yeah. someone's applying for a job a job they always want to know where you've worked before what kind of experience you've got why you'd fit that role and you just saying, no, oh, i went to uni like so have hundreds of thousands of other people millions of people so What's kind of yeah. making you stand because out? They know, they know as well that like, I mean, a lot of the courses, they're tailored towards people being able to pass with minimum up, minimal output. So like, yeah. I've I, I done, my final um, dissertation at uni was uh, to do an album based around a theme, yeah? So I've done Foley music. Yeah. So like, went right, out and okay. done field recordings and uh, yeah, done yeah, all yeah. the mix and mastering. Do you know the, you know the worst thing? I've done the field recordings, I've done all the mix and mastering for it and the last track, I couldn't think of what to do. So I downloaded a sound pack with the Foley, with literally yeah. a Foley mix and master, didn't even go out and recorded it, record it, sorry. Um, downloaded it for the last track and literally I passed. And that last track wasn't even an original <laughs> and I passed. And I didn't, I didn't, go, I went to one uh, tutorial meeting about it and yeah. there was, there was no, there was no real guidance. You just kind of get on and do it. And the thing is I passed and I don't even, I couldn't even tell you how, Like I generally couldn't. I don't know what I done right, what I done wrong. I just passed. Yeah, just they just want your money. As long as you're paying them, then you, exactly. you can fly it's, it's through exactly that, that shit. It is exactly that. Yeah. I remember 100%. in my, I think it was my second year, I met, you know, do you know Bazza? Prince Bazza, the producer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I remember Bazza. Uh, he'd done a lot of grime stuff back in the day, no? Yeah, yeah. Loads of grime stuff. He's produced for like AJ Tracy, like Wiley, yeah, yeah. Chipmunk, everyone. I met him in uni. Luckily, like he was like one of the cool guys that I met because in my course... It, it was kind of weird, man. I felt a bit like out of place in that course. But then in my second year, I, I met him and we obviously clicked because we both made music and shit. Yeah. And there was one guy, there was one guy in the course. He was a bit of like a, 
a programmer and he just knew bare stuff about computers. And we had this thing where we had to build an app. But this guy was taking money from us to basically build the app for us. I think we paid him like £50 and he built the whole app for us. And then Sick. me and Baza got the pass. It's like, yo, <laughs> I paid £50 to get a pass here. It's crazy. Yeah, that's calm. That's calm. It's it's is what it is. That, that's, that's one thing I will say I won't take away. I mean, I didn't, I'm not going to like stunt and say like, because I'm not a massively yeah. social person. I'm not going to lie. Like, I mean, I feel feel the same way with a lot of producers. They're quite introverted. Oh, 100% and man. It's all even, producers. The funny thing is in my social group, I'm probably the most outgoing, but yeah. I'm still not by any stretch uh, super confident unless I've had a couple of beers. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But in, I won't take away the the experience of the people I met in uni. Like I, I went to Southampton, and so like we met the a very big chunk of the Southampton hip hop scene, and that's what yeah. got us into hip hop. I was still spitting in uni, so like I, that's what got me into that side of things. The open mics, done some quite cool. Right. I, I started, we started running some shows up there. We booked Kalashnikov, like UK hip hop. Oh, uh, I remember you saying that. Yeah, yeah, and we and we, I was part of like a started a collective at the time called AFUK, yeah. and that was um. I was part of that as a spitter as well. And we performed as the main supporting act, obviously, because favoritism, do you know what I mean? I put on the show, so I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. support. But um but yeah, we put like so I got to support like some sick people and I done Boom Bap Festival um with them and like spat and do you know what I mean? Done like so like a lot of live stuff. Um yeah. that was quality, but also I started uh or co started uh, alongside like three other producer so the so the guy that I'm, i was living with in southampton is my brother-in-law now but he um he was a producer as well so we were both audio slugs audio slugs originally right. was two of us and right, uh, we okay. started it in 2015 but we were part of a collective called fifth degree which was which we originally was five of us hence the fifth but then one of them dropped yeah. out so there's only four of us and we got signed accidentally very accidentally to a to a, a group of producers called the beat freaks who, right, I don't okay. know if you've heard of the Beat Freaks, but they've produced. You for mentioned like, them to me like before when we spoke that time, but yeah. Other than that, I mean, I like, they've really produced for like Dino. Um, oh my god, the names are probably endless. I could probably list off yeah. so many gigs. Um, like they're they're Jeez. huge. They're a huge producer group, but they, but what they essentially do is, and we didn't obviously know that at the time, but what they do is they they find producers who are good right. and consistent. And they are in a position where they've got access to labels, good studio space, etc. And they yeah. get briefs from said labels and producers and artists and whatnot. And then they tell their consortium of producers, this is the brief, you produce yeah. for it. And then we'll kind of um we'll kind of work around it. Like and we and we'll pitch your beats to them. But they've but like for every producer they've got, there's probably about 20, 30, 40 producers, every single brief they got coming in working on stuff. And then if right, you do okay. get the placement, they'll split you in maybe like 20, 30 percent, I think it was, and um and then they take the credit. Obviously, your name doesn't even go on it. So but I mean that it's it's a, a very right? it's a good stepping stone, but it was it yeah. wasn't a good deal. Do you know what I mean? But it but yeah, I mean they sat us down for a nice little slap up mill in Canary Wharf and whatnot. Do you know what I mean? It was a, <laughs> Yeah, it was one of them. Yeah. Well, it's one yeah. of them when it's when it's kind of early on as well. You want to take them opportunities just to kind of build up your portfolio because at the start you don't really have any leverage. But like, say if they reached out to you, if it happened now when you had this portfolio, then that could never happen because you'd be like, "What? Are you telling me that I'm not going to get a credit and I'm only getting thirty percent at the end of it?" Like, nah, it's not going to happen. But Do you know what? With the, start, the way I was thinking then, I probably would have said the same thing then had I really realised what I was in. Yeah, but I yeah. thought because you know, you know what it's like, innit? Every now and again, you catch yourself and you think you're bigger than you are, 
or you, yeah, you, 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 I don't know. You just have a you're for one day your um moderation is out of skew, and you think that you're just the god. Yeah. And so there were certain times where I got credits come in, even around them times, and I was like, nah, like I wouldn't take twenty percent and and no credit. Yeah. But then at the same time, I I mean we had briefs, we had stupid briefs come through from them. We we produced them. Yeah. Um, we obviously we never got placed, but we produced demos for like Justin Bieber. Do you know what I mean? It was like oh shit. We had the acapellas and everything. Like they weren't like they weren't messing about. They had they had the connect. That's crazy. But it was um, it Could was just Justin placement. So that's a huge one. That but the ju- the Justin <laughs> placement would have been the only one we would have needed to get. We could have all quit producing yeah, after that if we wanted to. Do you know what I mean? That would have given you all the leverage in the world. That ah, <laughs> oh, it's mad. Uh, we done a we done a remix as well. We done. It all, we got like third place, I think it was, and I say third place. Yeah. It wasn't a competition, but it was like um we were close to being the pick. Uh, right. We done a a remix for a French rapper called Empacora. I don't know if he's the rapper. It was Empacora yeah. featuring somebody. I can't remember the exact details, but we done like it was for Sony, I think, in in France. And um, I mean, like they they were all they were all learning curves. They were like amazing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. That, I remember that coming through, that acapella coming through, and it was like the biggest thing that had ever happened to the four of us. So we sat there until like 10 11 the whole way through the day until like 10 11 at night yeah from from like the morning just make like doing stupid stuff like the rolls with the 808s for there's no (laughs) reason because they needed it one minute 38 you know what i mean like it just yeah you're probably overthinking it like probably doing too much weren't you yeah but it was it was a good learning curve and like so it was um it kind of gave us the industry feel without actually being in the industry yeah yeah that makes sense yeah man just going back though to to speaking about being a producer and being an introvert i get so many people that say the same thing and it's mad that we've all got this thing in common because i'm i'm not the most confident people a person sorry like everyone watches my videos and thinks like yo you must be so confident like just chatting to the camera and everything but it was just one of them things i just had to do like i just had to try do you get me it wasn't like a natural thing to me but it's weird because producers say like the introverts and they don't really chat but then once they get in a room with other producers, they can chat all day about music and stuff. So 100. I think that's the thing. I think it's like maybe in the social situations that you're in now, maybe at work, not everyone's into production. So you don't really have a lot to talk about. But then once you get in a room or even online, like chatting to people that are interested in the same shit, then you can chat for days. So I 100%. think it's one of them, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I remember I went to... Um... I mean, I'd do it anyway. Do you know what I mean? I'm not going to lie. I crowbar yeah, in yeah. conversations sometimes, like where even when I know people ain't even interested. Some of my friends, when they come, <laughs> I do like a thing on Thursdays where we sit down and like it's my de-stress for the week. So every Thursday evening, yeah. I kind of don't produce. I just, um, we have drinks. Like my friends come, right, obviously right. not in COVID, but now that COVID's yeah, lifted, yeah, yeah. we're doing our first Thursday again this week. So everybody's buzzing. Yeah. But um, we basically, we sit down, we just get drunk, we listen to music, we listen to the beats that I've made in a week or whatever, but I always have to yeah. crowbar it in conversation like about yeah, what I've done and none of them really care, but I do it anyway. Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's always like, it's, just, it's one of them things, it's like <laughs> you said, like it's easy to talk about it because it's your life, isn't it? So Yeah, 100%. I've been sat in rooms. I remember I went up and recorded with Axe. I don't know if you've heard of Axe, but you should definitely check him out because he's like, he's probably my favourite artist, but I am very biased. I need to check um, him out. I don't think I have heard. 140 Axe, yeah, definitely. But um, yeah. he's... He's my favourite artist that nobody knows about. Uh, people, actually, that's probably the wrong statement. Everyone, not everyone, but like a lot of people know about him. But the thing is with Axe yeah. is that he's very few and far between because he's, he's to an extent a perfectionist. I know he's going to hate me for saying that, but he is. <laughs> um, but he uh, he invited me up to go to, he'd set up a studio at his house. So we went up and, or I went up, sorry, and um, 
done a session up there and uh, I was sat in a room with Ras. Ras, I used to be heavy trackers, which is right. obviously Five's brother. And um, yeah. Maniac, do you not heard of Maniac, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we were sat, we were sat in a room, the three of us. And for me, I'm gassed, yeah, because obviously I'm the same age as Ras, I think maybe a year younger, but I'm sat there gassed because yeah. I, I listened to both of these people growing up as a grime producer as well. Like, mental to be sat in that room and then i'm talking yeah. with Russ about music and stuff and axe just kind of interjected and was just like i love this when producers just do the back and forth thing like all they talk <laughs> about is music and i just thought like it's funny because that reminded me of it, you saying it like it's just natural Class, isn't yeah. it? it's just what you do it as soon as you get into that room away. yeah because you're not used to people actually reciprocating everything that you say about music but when you're sat in a room with somebody who knows what you're talking about it's like I'm gonna go all in. Do you know, I'm gonna yeah, tell, I'm gonna speak about everything. <laughs> you can get everything off your chest then, because even stuff like my, my girl doesn't know anything about music production, and I, I'll try say things to her now and again. I don't know if you did this, but I used to always like show her my beats. Like even when I was shit, I'd make a beat. I'm like, yo, come listen to this. And she'd be like, yeah, yeah, that's good, but it was probably the worst thing ever. And now yeah. I'm like cringe looking back. Like oh, I can't believe I used to like shout her and get her to listen to my beat. So I didn't even ask her anymore. I just keep her out of it. But I, 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 know, I know a lot of people do that. It's funny because I actually um I read your you've got a bio on your beat stars, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Of like yeah. your your like your about page and whatnot. And I read your yeah. about page and and your your come up is and even to now when obviously now I've had actual conversations with you and whatnot. Yeah. Like your come up and the way that you got into music and the way that you do music now and your lot mindset on music now is very very similar to me. Like the whole thing as well. Like from the going to uni to getting yeah. stuck into a job. The, the only thing, the, the, the only differences between us is that when you got into the position of like, obviously maybe getting a house, not getting a house, whatever, yeah, you decided yeah. to go this way and I went that way. And it, that's, that's where it. we kind of, but yeah, it, I mean, we're even similar age as well. So it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy that it's very, yeah, it's, yeah, that's it's symmetrical. Mad, it? It's mad. Yeah. Every time we spoke with, there has been like a lot of similarities. I think a lot of producers in general have similar stories. A lot of producers start off as rappers, which we both did. And then at some point they start producing to make beats for themselves and then they fall in love with their producing side and then they end up going down that way. So yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of crazy. I think I but think that, that bit is definitely like people people always say that like they're um yeah the rapper thing first. But I think that that's where I was kind of shocked with you with you. Like not a lot of people I can say ended up doing the job and then ended up hating a job and then they because yeah, like yeah. you can if I said to you like the way that I feel about my job, for instance, like you would yeah. understand it. Whereas a lot of people would be like, what are you talking like, nah, you just quit your job, bro. Do you know what I mean? Whereas you kind of like understand from that standpoint that at a certain point you need a job. Do you know what I mean? Like just because you get yourself into that position. Whereas other people yeah. haven't got themselves into that position. So therefore they don't understand when I say I've got a job, they're just like, bro, just leave the job. It's not, it's not that simple. <laughs> uh, that's what I'm saying. simple. And then even like, the university thing as well, like you going to university is another thing. I, when I tell people I went to university, they're like, "Bruv, why? Why'd you go to yeah, university?" Yeah. I was like, "Well, because I went to university. Like, it was just the, it was just the path." <laughs> it's just the decision at the time, isn't it? I think for people our age as well, like at the time, there wasn't no people like Gary V. There wasn't a lot of content out there telling you like what you could do. So at yeah. the time, all we were only listening to our parents and our teachers, and they were the ones saying to go to uni and you know do that that follow that process but now because there's so much information out there there's podcasts there's youtube videos tutorials like motivational speakers you've got everyone at you like telling you what you could do now the younger generation are probably listening to them people and being like you know what he's making more sense than my school teachers so let me listen exactly. to this guy so yeah. i don't know i think i think that probably plays like a big part of it where i think like more people now are kind of seeing 
or the younger people anyway, are kind of seeing that there's different paths rather than the traditional routes, if, if you get me. Yeah. Because I've done, I done that. Like, I've done the exact same thing, come out of school. Because I, yeah. I, I started doing music. I don't even know what age I actually properly started doing music, but I, f- I think it was Yeah, where did 50. it all start for you? I usually start the podcast and be like, yo, so tell me how you got into music and everything, <laughs> but we kind of skimmed past that. But whilst we're on the topic, you might as well kind of explain the, you know, the, yeah, the full think, come up story. I think I'll, I'll, it must have been around 15. I think it must have been. I mean, I, I was into music. I got into grime super heavy when I was like 12. Yeah. Like, I'd, yeah, just super heavy around like times when like Kid Otto came out and that. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, it was like, a yeah, big, yeah. big deal. I knew people like I had cousins who lived in London and stuff, so it was like in and around that type of environment. So it was. Um, what do you think was the first big grime tune? Because I remember being that young as well and grime just popping off, and I can't remember what song did it. I remember we were on power at one point. Nah, it weren't that. Dumb. But it, it was obviously it, before that. But I don't, I don't even know if it was if you would class it as grime. I mean, it is grime, but I wouldn't class the artist as grime. But the track was grime, and, and the reason it blew up was because of kidhood. It's funny that I brought yeah. it up, but it was a Carla Shakespeare. Don't know if you remember that yeah, track. Yeah, yeah, of course but I do. That, That's a bad. That one popped off like everyone down here. That was that was yeah. the in thing. Like everyone down here had that on their phone, or, or like yeah, that, yeah. Carla was the in artist. You know what I mean? And I think my friend showed me Plan B. About when, about right. round about the same time, which probably yeah, was just yeah. after Kid Otto came out, and th- even though he's not necessarily grime, he was associated with. So yeah, and then you start going through the motions, and then Limewire, you get down the Limewire rabbit hole, and you end up with like yeah, I don't know yeah. Plan B featuring JME featuring Skepta featuring some rip off <laughs> track that doesn't actually exist, but it's a mix <laughs> of like four hours worth of MP3s, and um, that's what that's how I got into it, and I I was super from twelve, I was super heavy into it, like to the extent where. I've been, I was part of Pure Grime. Do you remember Pure Grime for him? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, like Pure I was Grime. part part of that. Like I was super heavy on that. I was um super heavy on the YouTube thing. I even I had a guy called there was a guy called Boyd Five on YouTube. He used to upload vocals for like right. all the grime instrument, uh, not grime instrument, it was grime vocals and stuff. And he used yeah. to bootleg them essentially from Pure Grime and upload them to YouTube. When I was like thirteen, he said to me he wanted to start a, an instrumental channel, so I took the. Yeah instrumental channel and I, I helped him like source the instrumentals and upload the instrumentals and stuff so I'd done that from so were, were you making beats at that point as well nah nah oh, right, I was okay. like I was just a grime fan and then 15 yeah. I started spitting because I right, just thought okay. I was the guy and I got I had yeah, a shed yeah. my mum and dad had a shed so I turned that into a studio um, <laughs> and then I say a studio it was like a curtain just mic. USB mic and that's it. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't actually. It wasn't even that. I had Phantom Power. That was what I, I oh, run my thing through Phantom Power. That was it. Oh, see. Uh, so it was an XLR. So at least I know about the XLRs early. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bro, I started but, off when I was when I first started spitting. I was literally using a pound shop mic. No lie, I had this one pound shop mic. Yeah, that was just plugging in. It was like I forgot the name of the cable. It wasn't even USB. It just went straight into the you know the little pink mic slot in the computer. Yeah, I was yeah, literally yeah. recording tracks into Cool Edit and just. Not not doing any mixing, no nothing, just recording into that and then putting them out. <laughs> Thinking they were sick as well. I was so I can't gassed. remember what I recorded on. I can't even remember what I started recording on. Yeah. Um But yeah, it was it was roundabout that like fifteen was when I started spitting and then like sixteen was when I realised nobody wanted to give me any beats. And then yeah. I started making loops. I say loops. I started making beats um on FL with the loops that were built into FL. Right, like so, it was like, yeah, do you know, like, like um, tracks are... I, can't, I can't think of what plugins are in FL because I'm rubbish with FL, but um, like Sakura, um, fuck it, Flex. yeah, name, some, name some of the preset Flex, ones, Flex is a newer one, 
I'm oh, trying to think. It, what was it called, man? Citrus. Citrus. Citrus was a good one actually because it had um like um oriental type sounds. Yeah, like it had like um your, your kotos and well, it wasn't they weren't good quality, but they were in there. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. No, there was there was there was one in there. I can't remember what it was called, but there was one in there where you literally it was it had like arpeggiators, like just like a list of arpeggiators, and you press one key and it, it, it will just play it what? through. I think it was like black and yellow as well. That, that originally back then, oh, the, the actual. I'd love to was. check after this and see if it's still about. But... <laughs> um, so what, then you, you literally press one, like key. one key, yeah, yeah, one key, and it would give me the arp. And then after I got the arp, I would like find some drum loop from wherever I could grab one and it would be like, you know, the the pots and pans drum loop that just kind of goes... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> or something like that. And it would just, um, yeah, chuck that on top of it and then try and spit on it. <laughs> and that was pretty much my, my process then. And that was probably for a good few years. Um, I didn't really go back to the producing thing because I was like, just not good at it. And then... Yeah. Or like I touched on it, but like I, I knew that I wasn't really that good at it and I... And, Rapping was still like the main forefront, and then right. went to college. I, I went to college and done sports originally. Then I dropped out because I didn't want to do sports anymore. I wanted to do music. Went to a yeah. different college, done music, done like um the sound festival in the south. Like and we won the sound festival because around them times there was no rappers down there. Like there was literally like nobody, and especially not in the education system. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, nobody yeah. was nobody Gosh. was doing it that way. So like we used to do like Plan B covers, and I used to win just because I jump off stage. Like and do yeah. like a plat. I'd spit a verse in the state in, in the crowd and stuff like that. So we we you must won have had confidence though and energy to do that. You talk about yeah, confidence. Yeah, yeah, no, but... I, def- I definitely did. When when I was spitting, I think yeah. it wasn't even confidence. It was just like sheer. It's adrenaline, probably, isn't it? Cause yeah. You're just like yeah. and panic that if if yeah, I mess yeah, up, yeah, I know yeah. how I'm gonna look. So I didn't. Yeah, like, I, I literally, yeah. I, my first ever gig that I performed, I messed up, and I remember feeling like a donut afterwards. So I was just like. I never wanted to do it again. So then, when we done yeah. a Solent Sound, we done a Solent Sound Festival, which was for Southampton Solent, which is the uni I ended up going to. Um, right. We done that and won it, and it was the first time the college had ever won it. So I think my picture is still on the wall there. So I'll take that as an achievement. Oh, that's sick. But um, they, yeah, I was just proper into rapping, man. I was just I was, pro- I was super into rapping until the last year of college, and then there was a guy in the year above me who was like a dubstep came up around then times. And reason yeah. they had reason at college, and the guy I yeah, just remember yeah. watching. He made like um, you remember like the eighth triplet kind of wobble bases that you make on. Yeah, you can course. make on reason. The, the wobble, wobble, wobble. Like he, I, me- I remember watching him make one of them and just being super interested in it. So I went yeah. home. I got re- I like cracked reason, got it on my computer, <laughs> and then like just used it for about three, four weeks nonstop. Didn't even rap. I was just I was just making beats on reason. And then I just got so comfortable with it. Like, I loved it way more than I loved rapping. So it kind of, but I was still doing rapping. So, like, it kind yeah. of became part of my process for rapping. And then... Right, okay. And then when I got to uni, I was still spitting as well. If I'm honest, I was still spitting until... I think I was still spitting in the third year of uni. But I was taking audio slugs a lot more serious then. So we started yeah. audio slugs in the last year, about nine months before I finished uni. And when we started Audio Slugs, it was kind of like, this is it. This is me now. Like, I want to do yeah, this. Yeah. I don't care about the rapping thing. I want to do this. I released one tape, I think, when I was spitting. I, I made about 14,000 tapes, but I only ever released the one. Uh, under uh, my, my artist name was Frankie Blue, if anybody wants to draw me out. Have you still got and, videos um, on YouTube? On the yeah, Frankie yeah, Blue. yeah, they're still all there. Yeah, yeah. I had I had about seventeen artist names, but I'm not gonna not gonna bait myself <laughs> up that badly. Not back then. But Frankie Blue stuff was was me in uh, probably the place that 
I was ever going to get to, like only ever going to get to. So yeah, that was I done like. A what, was it? Was it just Graham as well? We just spitting over grind beats. Uh, really? No, I, done, I was super into the hip hop thing as well. So like I done right. hip hop and grime. I done a JDZ media at NAS Festival. Um, oh shit! And then I need to watch some of your videos. I think I, I was meaning to do it last time we spoke, and I couldn't remember the name that you said, but I've got it recorded yeah. now, so there's no chance to forget. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I done a JDZ media, and I was smashed at my face, and I shouldn't have done it. <laughs> like I really shouldn't, I really shouldn't have done it, but I done it. Um, and so I like spit off time, and I think it was about a minute long because I forgot my yeah. bars. Um. But I done it anyway, and then um, yeah, I done a few things, and I quite enjoyed it. I don't know if you, because you were quite heavy into the hip hop thing, in it, like the spitting. Yeah, well. I was always like, I spat over like Graham like early on when I was like young, like fourteen, maybe fifteen or whatever. But mm. yeah, I I always listened to, I always listened to more like US stuff, like Boom Bap. Like I grew up on like Nas, Mob Deep, Wu Tang, that kind of shit. So they were always the beats that I wanted to spit to, like Ninth Wonder, DJ Premier, all them kind of beats. So that was my vibe. Do you, when I did, was you younger, hear, yeah. did you ever hear? Did you ever hear Tenchu from Southampton? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that, that's Tenchu who I used with, to. With two O's. Yeah, yeah, that's who I used to run with when I was in Southampton. He used to record at mine. I done. I think I done the majority of his album. I, done, I We lost the recording files, and me and him don't speak anymore. But oh, that's it was. Um, I actually rate Tenchu as well. He's got yeah. bars. Yeah, that's that's who that's who I used to like. We used to do a lot of stuff with him. He wasn't part of the collective, but he used to be in and around yeah. us a lot. And then. Um, and yeah, but he, like, yeah, he was a sick person to be around. I went and done boom back with him, um, and so yeah, that was that was cool. Like all that—that's what I mean. Like all this spitting stuff. If I could go yeah, back, yeah. I don't think I'd change any of it. Like I'd still do it because it was good experience, and I learned a lot more about the industry and the way people yeah. work than I have being a producer. Like I, I learn a lot being a producer all the time because the the goalposts are always moving. But being yeah, a rapper yeah. from like you understand the mindset of your client if you are a rapper yeah. first of all so like that's it yeah that's that's kind of how i look at it it helps with beats as well because you kind of know what what space you need because in your head you're probably spitting as you're making a beat that's what i do sometimes anyway i'll just like imagine bars like over the beat like i was spitting and then maybe that helps with the drum pattern or helps me like just create space for myself but even though it's not myself getting on it so i think that definitely helps because that's one thing that producers struggle with i find anyway because they don't have any experience with working with rappers or rapping themselves, they don't really know what their customer wants or what their potential customer wants. So it's like they're just putting sounds on top of each other and not really knowing what's about to happen. I think that's that that's, the mis- that's that mis- misconception. You know, like everybody always says, like you have to leave space for the rapper. Yeah. So like, yeah. I feel like that goes two ways. Like producers either overlay our stuff and they do way too yeah. much in a beat. Or they do way too little because they've heard somebody yeah, say yeah. you have to leave space for the rapper. And the thing is, is that look, it still needs to sound like a good beat for someone to want to rap on it. That doesn't necessarily oh, mean that you don't do anything. But like, yeah, yeah, I think certain people take it like, oh, I've left space for the rapper. But yeah, but bruv, you're supposed to do more than just like kicks and a bass. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, not, yeah. that don't make no sense. But you see that what I'm saying? Like, there, is, there is, there is a fine line, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like what you said, I think if you're if you're coming from a place where you know what you would would have spat on when you were when you were MC and or whatever then yeah, yeah you can kind of work from that that um guideline um in regards to the original question that you said because we because yeah. as with what i do most of the time i just talk too much and then end up straight completely <laughs> off topic but um that's cool man that's what podcasts are for yeah man essentially i done um yeah i start. i got into music super got into grime super early when i was like 12 i done rapping from 15 till i was about 23 
probably yeah. 22. I don't know. I, I left uni a year later than everybody else does because obviously I dropped out of my first college, went to a second college. Da, da, da. Right. Um, so it's 22 or 23, I think. And then I think it must be 23, actually. And then um, I got my first big placement when literally about two months after I moved back to I'm from Gosport so um I, right, which okay. is near Portsmouth um literally as soon as I moved back to Gosport I got my first big placement about two months after which was with who was it the first I think, it was, Hard- I think it was Hardy Caprio was my first one was that your first one yeah yeah I think, I think that it wasn't it wasn't my first ever credit but it was my first one that done yeah numbers and things right. I mean beforehand I'd produced for countless people I probably to be honest with you I'm probably spacing out I've probably done a lot more before yeah, that, yeah. they're probably worth mentioning, but I can't really think back before it. But That's Hardy the first, was the like, first one, big, and then about one. yeah, I done. But I say to be honest with you, though, I kind of half count as a placement because I get a lot of sh- I get a lot of stick for this year. So I produced yeah. um I produced Jezebel for Hardy, yeah, which is which was right. one of the ones that he uh, released on his first EP. Yeah, and yeah. he gave me the brief. He wanted the the Jezebel type of feel and stuff. And I get stick sometimes when I go to studios. <laughs> Producers have brought up about Jezebel because I reproduced it very similar to the way that it was yeah. produced for like Little D back in the day. Because right, okay. that was Little D was one of my favourite artists growing up. So I drew from that. And that's how yeah. hard he wanted it. He just wanted it with modern drums and not the way that it was originally produced. Yeah. I'm going to sound super disrespectful now, yeah, and probably piss off the producer who originally <laughs> produced it because I can't remember his name. But whoever it was who produced that that first one, because I know he's commented on the video as well saying about how I, how I ripped off his version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, I, it, there was like, essentially there was no disrespect me- meant by it. It was just that yeah. that was what I was asked for and then just to put a modern drum pattern with a, with a better mix. On It's funny you say that because I've, I've had this same thing recently where people have requested that exclusive beats like um custom beat should i say and they've sent me a beat and they've like they've said something like oh, i want the beat like this and the problem is that people fall in love with that beat because of that melody so whatever i now do is it just isn't going to be that beat so when people when you you might send something back like an idea and then they'll send it back and they're like now nah, i want it like a bit more like this can you add the piano like this and then you start changing things and then before you know it, it's sounding like real similar to the original. So again, that's another, There's it's a thin line, isn't it? Because but the thing you want to listen Jezebel to the client. It's a sample. It's just like with Jezebel, it's the uh, it's literally right. a sample. So like he sent me the sample that he wanted me to sample and how he was wanted it chopped me to up sample or was it. Was it just like it, it was, from it a was, sample? No, it was, cho- it was chopped up, but it was chopped up the exact right. way that it had been chopped up probably right, right. nine years prior to me doing it. Yeah. Little D that little D done a version of Jezebel in uh 2007 I believe it was which is when uh, don't let the name trick you came yeah. out. Yeah. Right, um, right, okay. And that was that was the original version I think. I don't I don't think it was the original version but that was the version that yeah. I drew from because that was my favorite version of it. So yeah. I drew from that and that's the then that was the version Hardy was referencing as well. So I right. drew from that remade it with a better drum pattern and 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 mixed it like essentially for ready made for 2015 um yeah. and 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 it, and it clicked and it happened i mean i sent i had countless beats that i sent to hardy that didn't get placed and that one got placed yeah. and that's the one that i get the most stick for when, when someone <laughs> brings up but but yeah that was well, it's one of them you, you still got the credit and it's like you said yeah. it's a sample it's a sample so it's not like he came up with the whole thing no. it is like a, a fine line but at the same time like, it's one of them, man, isn't it? It's just one of them. Like you still get the credit. You kind of did what was asked, 
it's the one that he wanted. So, and it was right, like a more day, modern version. At the end of the day, especially when you're starting out, yeah, you're you're just an employee to that artist yeah. for a certain amount of yeah, time, yeah, and yeah. so you just got to do your job. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, but yeah, that happened so that, in like November of that year, and then about six months after. I got the right. P money, a little D credit, which was back to back, which obviously has done like, I think it's about seven million on Spotify. Seven no, million. Sorry, I think I think it's actually no, sorry, I think it's about five million on Spotify and a couple million on Apple Music, so seven million across the two major DSPs. Let me go on it now. It's the back to back one, wasn't it? P money. Yeah. How did that happen then? How did that placement uh, opportunity even come about? I said I, I I worked my ass off. I, I literally produced as many beats as physically possible and sent them all yeah. to P Money and Little D. And did you um, did you have a connection with them though, or did you just get their email from like Twitter or just no, DMing I them? Got, I, I met I met them I met them after that pattern probably right. about three years, and I've still only met uh, them both once, and it was still only yeah. like a flyby. I, I used to uh, in like, fast forwarding a little bit, but when we got signed to D Power, uh, which is yeah. EB Records. Uh, we had a studio downstairs from Heavy Trackers, and so obviously a lot of people used to fly through Heavy Trackers to record. And there was one right. night where like Blacks, P Money, Littles, um, and a few other people were all in the in the building. They were all upstairs recording, and we were downstairs. And I think they had like a pizza turn up or something, and they was down. So they yeah. came into the room to jam in our room, and we met them that way. And we was like, we we're audio slugged, like, and they was like, oh, sick, like, well gone. Oh, it's mad. But, so that's it was, after you've done all the work with them as well. Yeah, it was a flyboy. Like, and and the thing is, is that that work increased massively when they decided to do yeah. the back to back EP because obviously, yeah, yeah. I think I, I think I had three placements on that, three or four. Yeah, three tracks on, on the EP. I think, uh, yeah, maybe more. Two tracks. I'll just yeah. check. No, I've done coldest flows, which was the sing- one of the singles they released for it. Um, Paranoia, which is with Footsie, um, Can't See Man, and obviously back to back. So four, including back to back yeah yeah so obviously you worked hard to get to that and then you met them after but what was the process like actually getting them tracks to him emails like i just plugged just emails e- yeah yeah like I, like I said i produce so many beats that i'll make the beat i send the beat and i forget about it if i'm honest yeah i yeah. forget about it and a lot of the, a lot of the times that gets me into trouble to be honest with you because uh, there's <laughs> been there's been certain situations where there's been coldest flows yeah uh, uh, Funny yeah. story. Coldest Flows wasn't supposed to be the beat that Coldest Flows was. I'd accidentally sent that beat to another artist. Um, oh shit! In the in the time that they'd record recorded Coldest Flows, they'd recorded yeah. it and um, it had all been finalised. And then I said, and then the other track that had been used to that beat came out with the other artist, and right. um, yeah, it got techie. And then basically, P said to me like, "We need a beat." like we need a beat for it kind of thing we need to replace it yeah yeah so i i think i had like 24 hours and i've done it in 24 hours i've done the beat i made the beat sat up i think I sat something up similar like as well no it wasn't it was completely different it was similar oh, i tried to go for something similar to um to back to back if i'm honest i tried right. to use like because i'm i feel like quite early on i got known for like the brass sounds that i use so i tried yeah. to like incorporate like a new brass sound and I did with, yeah, to be honest yeah. with you Coldest Flows is one of my favourite tracks that I've produced yeah that's and mad that's done. a crazy story yeah yeah that was and I, I stayed up till about one o'clock in the morning getting that one together and then had work at six shit You're dedicated though it paid off that's sick yeah. 
let's so just talking about that and what happened to you because that's one thing that a lot of people speak about like producers because us producers that are sending out packs to artists there's no set rule on how long we should leave them beats with the artists because they don't come back straight away and say i like this one that one and this one they might come back like three months later and say yo this beat was called but you can't just sit around and wait until that artist says that they're going to use it. So what do you think is the right thing to do? Let's say you send out a pack of beats to one artist. How long would you usually give it before you start sending them same beats to someone else? Or do you not even treat it like that? Do you just send I'm, them about? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm going to be like, I know I'm going to piss off every artist now, yeah, but I don't care. <laughs> I'm not going to be, yeah. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. This is my product. Like what I'm selling, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not, and I'm not even selling it for the most part. I'm giving it to you for free. If you, all you've got to yeah. do is tell me you're using it, and then I'll take it off the list. But yeah. if if you're like, here's what, here's how I do it. And I don't, to be honest with you, I haven't done the sending out packs thing in a long time. I'm not gonna lie, yeah. I'm not really concentrated on the placement thing at the moment. But when I was doing it, this is what I tell beginner producers or early producers, producers starting out, yeah. whatever. Um, get them everywhere because if you hold out for people. Like you won't get a placement. Yeah, yeah. That is as simple as that. Like, I, and I mean, I mean that in the nicest way possible. Like, you, I'll tell you something. Yeah, when you produce one beat, the problem is that with people, they think they have to produce ten beats a day right. to, to supply ten artists. Yeah, that's it. You don't. You pro you produce ten beats a day. You can supply a hundred artists with the same ten beats because the funny thing is, is that music's subjective. So yeah. therefore, like, you might have ninety people who don't care about them, and you might have ten who do, and then therefore you ain't got no problems. Yeah, yeah. You deal with the problems afterwards, like. And if I'm being honest, it does get techie. It can get techie. Um, but it's a good problem to have. Like, yeah, if because it is just a good problem to have. Because you've got if you've got two artists fighting over your beat, then that's a lot better than no artists fighting over your beat. You know what I'm saying? Like you might have held off for so long and got no one on it. But if certain if two people have said that they want it, then shit, that's a good problem to have, really. Honestly, like the amount of times that it's happened to me, yeah. Like where artists have you have crossed used beats, I've lost credit, I've lost placements because of it. Don't get me wrong, yeah. I have lost placements because of it. But um, and I'm not saying that it's like you're gonna have automatic luck or not luck, but like you're gonna have an automatic placement if you start doing it this yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. But what I am saying is that I didn't, I stopped uploading to YouTube in 2015, right. Like an idiot. But um, so therefore, like you couldn't find my beats anywhere else. Yeah. So you got them through packs, and there, and so I'm gonna maximize the use that that beat has. Yeah. So it, I make. I mean, honestly, my my beat numbers are ridiculous. They're through the roof. I don't even send all of my beats out. But um, I I I used to. I was in a point where I was sending out packs to like forty artists every single night for a month. Yeah. And I would get. And like, if you, even if you like, people say to me how many credits I have in Grand. If you compare it to the amount of beats that I sent out, I've probably got like a one percent hit rate. <laughs> but the, the but everybody's like, oh, you're always getting placements. You've always got stuff coming out. That's because I'm sending stuff out. Yeah, like, yeah. If you don't do, you don't get. So and that's and that's how I looked at it. And it's the, it comes back to the quantity over quality thing. I'm not being funny, but a lot of my placements I hate the beats I hate back to back yeah. I hate the beat to back to back I hate it it's my, probably one of my least favourite beats but it's it, it's one of my biggest placements ever yeah well let's talk is, about this actually because you, you, you've mentioned this a few times that you're more about quantity over quality which is against what most people say like even myself like I'm more of a quality over quantity to a certain extent but I think that's because for me when I'm producing yeah I, I spend time making beats like even when I'm filming videos for YouTube, I might be filming for like two or three hours, but I'm. it's probably me overthinking shit, but 
I'm so like picky with sound selection. I'm taking time like going through kits and sometimes even designing my own shit or just trying different things. But I think part of that is down to me wanting to learn new shit to teach people. But yeah, I'm, I'm kind of going off track, but you're more about <laughs> quantity over quality, aren't you? Like you'd rather cook I, I, up like I 10 beats. It. I agree with everything. I agree with everything you just said. Like yeah. everything you just said, I agree with. You have to like sound selection is pivotal. Yeah. Like um the the way the, the quality in which you're putting stuff out is pivotal. Yeah. But the only way that that happens is by you doing it wrong first. And the only way it's you true. can do it wrong first and a lot is to do it a lot. It's I, I think my analogy for this originally was like going to the gym. When you first start going to the gym and you start doing reps yeah. with weights, you're not going to be able to lift as much as you are in six months from when you first start going to the gym. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same with music. Like when you first start making music and slapping out 10 beats a day, 20 beats a week, whatever, yeah. like whatever you do, because at the end of the day, don't put a limit on it either like or a cap or like you have to make this amount of beats a week. Yeah, Just make yeah. whatever you're comfortable with making. But at the same time, don't overthink it. Because honestly, when you get your first placement and it's a beat that you spent 10 minutes on in comparison to them 70 beats that you've got sat in your folder yeah, that you spent yeah. four hours on for the for like five months, you're going to be so disheartened. Yeah. You're going to be like, well, what, why, did, why did that beat get placed? But if you, but like I was saying about the analogy, sorry. Yeah, you, you're going to be able to lift more. With music, your quality is going to get better with the more you produce. Yeah. Like it's, it's that simple. Yeah, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at doing it quick. Look, an example that I always use yeah, is is uh, internet money is one of the biggest, arguably worldwide now, yeah, yeah. but one of the biggest producer camps in America. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Who's who's their best producer? Who's their best producer? Well, Nick Mirror is probably on top right now, isn't he? Nick Mirror is the first person you said, so I'm taking the answer. Yeah. Nick Mirror is not their best producer. Nick Mirror is the person who produces the most. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So that's why every and he gets the most credits. He is not their best producer. He's mm. a, like he's an amazing producer. Don't get me wrong, but he is not their he's not their best producer. Yeah. I don't I couldn't tell you who their best producer is, but I can guarantee you that if you sat in a lab with all of their producers, there's definitely people who are more technical than them. There's definitely people who can maybe do things that he can't do, but he will make twenty beats in the time it takes them to make two. Yeah, that makes sense actually. I never really looked at it like that, but now that you say it. Cause I've always been like, right, I could I could maybe bang out ten beats today, and I might not be happy with them, or I could spend my time and just perfect two beats. And in my head, I'm thinking, right, if I if I send two sick beats out to artists, there's more chance of them taking it than them going through ten shit beats. But you are right when saying that artists usually take the beats that you hate the most. It happened with with Westy recently when we sent some beats to him, cause he he sent I uploaded some beats there and he sent a pack out and Devil. Yeah, Devilman picked like three of my beats. He ended up picking beats that I, I personally don't like. When I made the beats, I was like, ah, it's a bit too basic or I wasn't really happy with it. I probably made them quick. So it's, it's funny that you say that. It is funny that you say that. Because, yeah, it does go against I think what most the, the grown thing taught me that. Mm. I think the grown thing taught me that. And, I, and, I'm, I'm, that's, and that's another thing that, that I wanted to touch on was yeah. the getting boxed in as a producer. Because this is a big deal right like especially when you come from a niche um genre um there's a pressure on you like yeah. there's a pressure on you for a certain amount of time for as long as you allow the pressure to exist there's a pressure on you if you get boxed in yeah i i, I felt it like about two years ago i felt it i, I felt like i couldn't produce if i was producing anything but grind yeah i was letting everyone down like that's how i felt so i didn't i've i've got i've done 700 beats in 2000 and 
what is it? It's twenty one nine. It's so a two thousand nineteen. Yeah, I done seven hundred beats that year. There's, there's probably only two beats that aren't grown. That's crazy. Seven hundred so beats. You've like, <laughs> that's mad. It's a, yeah, that, that's not too bad. It only averages like two beats a day, isn't it? I suppose so. But when you put put the numbers out like that, like to look back after the year and be like, right, I've got seven hundred and something beats sitting there. I think it was seven hundred on the nose. I think I, I remember. I remember it being like the last day of December and me scrambling to get yeah, seven hundred because yeah. I was on like six nine nine. <laughs> but yeah, like I, yeah, but bruv, to me the the thing, and I, I know that I sound arrogant when I say this, and I don't mean to, but to me when I look at seven hundred, that means I didn't put in enough work. Like honestly, I didn't. I made two beats a day on average. I didn't put in enough work. I was drinking too much that year, probably, <laughs> or I took too much time out or something. Like yeah. I, that I can do. What number would make you happy? A thousand, anything over a thousand right. beats a year, because because that means that I and and I know I know firsthand, and any producer who makes that type of number will know firsthand that eighty percent of them probably won't even touch the light of day. Yeah, yeah. They probably won't get placed. They might not even make it to a YouTube channel. Like it's that real. They yeah. get lost, but they're so pivotal in you becoming a good producer. That's all that matters. At the end of the day, that you can make one good beat out of a thousand, one super super amazing beat out of a thousand yeah that's all it takes like that's literally all it takes yeah that's facts that's so it and and so you need to like people look at like the oh i don't want to i don't want to have to do 30 beats a week you don't have to do 30 beats a week yeah. but you have to do something that's working like it's exercise so it's yeah, reps. yeah yeah so the more you produce the better you get and the better you get the more likely you are to get placements and also Look, the more reps you do, that quality and quantity thing, you, you'll figure out actually becomes the same thing. It's not really an argument. I always say the quantity over quality, yeah. but it's not really an argument because once you get to a level, and you'll know this firsthand, I mean, the, the way that you make beats now in comparison to probably the way you made two, beats two years ago, you know you could probably slap out 10 beats and they would be of a certain quality yeah. that if it took you that same amount of time to slap out one beat in 2019, it wouldn't have been the same quality. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. So it's... It's it's about not overthinking stuff, and it's about just getting as much stuff out as possible. Like that's how you get credits. There's how do you think producers can can stop overthinking? Because it's easy to say like, I oh, just don't overthink it, just keep cooking up. But how do you think? Is it literally just you have to put in the reps? Like, do you think there's anything that people can do, or do you think there's certain things that people overthink? Like, do you think they they're overthinking the melodies? Like, the melody might not be good enough, or they overthinking the patterns that they make. Like, what actually is it? I think it's the power that you give to other people. I think that's what people overthink because the only reason you think a beat's bad yeah, is because you're you're thinking about somebody specific. You're yeah. thinking about an artist that it should go to, or a label, or a manager, or an A and R, or a da 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 da. Or you're trying to produce like this person, or this person, or this person. Like the reason that you overthink, like that what you're overthinking is actually external. Like you're yeah. not overthinking it from your standpoint because you probably think it's a good beat. And I've been there as well. I'm not gonna lie, I've made beats like back in the day, acoustic guitar beats. Yeah, yeah. I used to I used to love doing acoustic guitar beats, especially if I found a good plug-in that had a good acoustic guitar. But I was a grind producer. What the fuck am I doing with an acoustic <laughs> guitar? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. It's not, that ain't working. So I used to chuck them away. I used to delete them because I was like, nah, no one's gonna take this, da, 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 that's rubbish, that's rubbish, that's rubbish. And then I got to a point where I was like, I love acoustic guitar. I'm just going to make these beats. And Shit, if that would have been like last year, I think it was last year. There was a certain point where it was all about acoustic guitars, especially in America and trap beats. The only, the only MC like, and this is why he's probably one of the biggest influences that I had growing up is Dot. Yeah. Like the only MC was Dot Rotten. He used to spit over acoustic guitar. Right. But 
other than, and, and interpret it into like a grand thing. Yeah, yeah. But like no one else really done it, and so therefore, and especially in 2019, everybody wanted like I don't know, I can't. Everybody wanted a back to back. Yeah, I'm not yeah. gonna lie, everybody did as, as big headed as that sounds. Or they wanted a man don't care. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like they wanted they stayed. We were still living off that because dr- since drills come up, Grimes taken a back foot, and so there hasn't really been quote unquote big tracks because yeah. drill is the forefront of everything now, and so Grime isn't really popping as much as it normally is i'm not saying that grime isn't popping because everyone's going to get onto me for saying <laughs> that. i shouldn't have said that but look the, it, grime is grime and it will always be grime yeah. but it, i think people need to understand that everything has its turn it feels like with, grime, with grime, grime, yeah, it feels like go. grime has like, it it popped off like years ago and then it kind of died out a little bit and then it popped off again especially when you had like stormzy and skeptor and stuff appealing to a more like commercial audience they probably didn't I don't even know if they intentionally did that, but it seems like when them two were like popping, popping, like the whole world was tuned in. But then all of a sudden drill just took over. I was trying to figure out like what happened, like why why did it come and go and then come back and then all of a sudden drill Gr- pops Grime, up. Grime is where Grime is where it's supposed to be, like right now. Yeah. Like I know I know I mean that like Right, Grom, I've been a Grom fan, yeah, since 2004 or something. I don't know. I was too young to be a Grom fan, yeah. but but I understand it because I was like I've been a fan for so long, yeah. Yeah. And the thing is with Grime, I think I think me as a Grime fan, yeah, I love the like the underground stuff. Yeah. I love the I used to like Spyro sets on Rinse, that's what I lived for. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I love living I love listening to them, sorry. I love um I love MCs coming up and, and doing like I mean Stormzy, early Stormzy, yeah, yeah, like in the park doing that 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 freestyle, that that famous freestyle yeah, with yeah. the red tracksuit on and stuff. That's what that's what it's all about though. That it wasn't like I'm not being funny. It's amazing that it done what it done. Yeah. But that wasn't necessarily what it was meant for. Like it was, it was a grime MC being a grime MC. Yeah, of course. And then, it, and it's just, and it's the same thing with everything that's happened across the years. And people, the funny thing is, is people like to discredit grime so quickly. Mm. Like it's a childish um, genre, and you only listen to it until you're 16, and all this type of stuff, which is calm, yeah. Look, that's do you in it. But think about that. Think about some of the MCs that grime's birthed. Yeah. Like really think about it. Like and not just on a musical level, but you've got like. I mean, Bashi is a successful actor in America. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like he's yeah. he's doing bits, and he was a grime MC clashing gets on a wall in two thousand and three, two thousand four, five or whatever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like he came up through like the grime. So I'm not saying necessarily everything he done was grime because he done a lot of hip hop stuff, but he came up through the ranks. Like he done that. He 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 had a clash with Wiley, like everybody's done. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And yeah, and like. And I mean, same thing with Kano, for instance. I mean, yeah. I know Ashley Walters is slightly before because obviously that's more the, the garage and the so solid thing. But I mean, it's the same type of like environment. And oh, of course, it, man. Like it's, it's it gets it almost gets pushed to the back. Like because grime ain't charting at the moment, grime don't mean nothing, and that's not it. Because to true grime fans, yeah, it's it doesn't matter there. whether it's charting or not. Yeah, yeah, no, it don't 100%. matter. It, like you'll find, and you'll always find a diamond in the dirt because there'll always be a big zoo that comes out. Yeah, there'll always be an AJ Tracy who started. To, I had a credit with AJ Tracy in 2015 that we done as Fifth Degree, yeah. funnily enough, under, when we was on a Beat Freaks thing. But Beat Freaks didn't get it. It's because one of the guys who I was in the in the collective with knew him. Um, we had AJ Tracy, Big Zoo, on a track, and um, he was like, it's through and through Grime. His first EP, that Alex Moran EP, that was yeah. Grime. Like. AJ Tracy's arguably one of the biggest MCs in the country now, and it's not for Grime. It's for doing other stuff. But he was a Grime MC. He started as a Grime MC. It's where he cut his teeth. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Grime is Grime's the the, tra- the training ground maybe for some people, but it's 
also something that if you're if you're actually a Grand fan, you'll always end up going back to it. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think the people that are saying that shit about oh, Graham's childish, like who are these kind of people? Like it's probably like middle class white women that are saying it. You know what I'm saying? Or it's the, the people, <laughs> the people, the people that say that kind of shit. Yeah, well, they're the kind of sheep that will will be like, yeah, Graham's childish. But then when Graham's the relevant thing and it's popping off, they'll be like, oh yeah, I've always listened to Graham. I love it. But then yeah. The same, I li- who was I listening to now? You know, the comedian, Monya, who does all the skits and everything. Yeah, yeah. He was talking yeah. about it on a podcast and he put it well because he said that exact thing. He was talking about Graham and saying that, you know, everyone was saying certain things about Graham, but then when it was popping off and like it was all around the world and people were loving it, that's when everyone was like, yeah, I'm all, I've always listened to Graham. I've always been a Graham head. And the same shit happened with Drill <laughs> because when Drill first came out, like everyone was like, oh, Drill, like, no, that's like not for me. But now that it's reaching to a bit more of a commercial level, now everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I love Drill. I always listen to Drill. And it's just that same thing. And it? it's like people will always just fuck with what's relevant. Or certain people will. People will say like they, they like a certain thing because it's relevant right now. But you're right. If, you've, if you're a Grime fan, then you'll just like Grime regardless and you won't look at it that way. Yeah, they're, they're the same type of people who are like, when you ask them who their favourite Grime artist is, they say Tony Temper. Do you know what yeah, I mean? That's yeah, the same yeah. type of people. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. But like, the, f- the thing is, yeah, that's another thing, actually, you touched on it slightly there, but pe- people create some type of separation between grime and drill. Yeah. But at the- at this point, and I know, like, that there's obviously multiple sources that genres draw from. Yeah. But at this point, it- with the culture of drill, it's just, it- drill is just grime in 2002. Yeah, 100%. Like, that's is really what it is. It's-, it's the new, exciting thing that all the kids are into yeah. and-, and they're charting and they're doing... And uh, don't get me wrong... The, the stakes are a lot higher now. Do you know what I mean? Like, cause people are going to like central C doing number two yeah, with his drill album. Like that's, that's crazy. And like all these types of things, like you didn't get that necessarily in 2002 with, with, with a clash on the roof. Or, right. Do you know what I mean? A, a Lord of the Mikes, but, but like it's, it's the same energy and P pe- and people are very quick to be like, nah, Grime didn't have nothing to do with that. Like yeah, th- yeah. this is more to do with Chicago or this is more to do with the, the U S the way the U S influences the genre. But I mean, I'm a, I'm a, uh, people will class me or label me as a grime producer. I, I'm a producer, but I love, I love making drill beats. I yeah. love it because for the musicality of it, I, I love it. It's just so I always say that for like yeah, to, I, to actually produce drill. It's just you can you can get real creative with it. Like everything that you can do with the eight weights and the sounds and everything. It is like a it's a good thing to make like for producers because of like you said like the technical side. Learn of it. a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah it. definitely. I mean, I, I, I don't really necessarily go out of my way to listen to a lot of drill. I do listen to drill and there are certain things that I like. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, the, the, the beats are what are what draw me into it, not the MCs. Yeah. I mean, I, I grew up and I'm going to sound old and I don't mean to sound old now, but I'm <laughs> probably going to. I grew up in a in a generation where, and not to disrespect anybody, but where like the flow meant a lot. Yeah, like yeah. your you being able to spit on beat and flow, like being skippy and whatnot, that was that that was one of your like points as to whether you were a big MC or not. Of course. And uh, I mean that's what like get I mean look at Getch, you know what I mean? Like yeah. undefeated flow champion. He's up there with Axe. <laughs> no, <I'm sorry. laughs> but um Axe but Axe is Axe is actually when you check out Axe yeah, just it's probably the one of them ones that I've I've heard of or I've 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 heard something before, but I haven't really clocked onto who it is. But I need to look into it. Yeah. If you're putting no, him up the, there the with flows, gets, I mean, I'm missing out on something. It's the flow, bro. I'm I'm saying I'm not, I'm biased, bro. I'm super biased. Yeah. But he his flow and the way he is technicality was um, everything. Like he's everything in a in a 
in an artist that you, that you want like yeah, from, yeah. from these types of genres like just believe that but he's um but yeah like the, the flow was a big thing and, and i don't feel like in drill i mean drill is kind of infamously famous for for creating bad flows isn't it like it's, i mean i was gonna ask you like back on what we were saying earlier yeah on you see going back to the pack situation sending yeah. that beat someone not like how do you feel like how do you feel about placements like like do you how do you hold placements in in their regard like are they a big deal to you or is it just like if they come they come if they don't they don't yeah kind of like that to, for me like personally i'm more bothered about like just building my pers- personal brand in any way i can because to me right now it's it's a business it is like my passion but it's also my business because i, I don't have another job so to me how I spend my time is I'm focusing on building YouTube because I know that I can get sales from drum kits, um, you know, sample packs, things like that. And to me, placements just seem like, all right, yeah, they're cool. It might be good for my ego and everything and for my credibility. But at the same time, in terms of actually keeping this business going, I don't know, like, I can't like guarantee placements. I can't like, you know, just rely on that in a way because I know how it works for labels it can take time for you to get paid you might only get a small percentage of the publishing and everything so to me I I know personally that I can potentially make more money doing what I'm doing now rather than being the producer that sat there trying to get placements but don't get me wrong at the same time like I I do want placements because to me obviously a beat at the same time is an unfinished thing and I do want vocals on it and I think if anything, placements would help my business because I, I try to give advice to producers. I get a lot of people asking me questions. And if I've got more experience there with placements, then it gives me some credibility and people might listen to me because I've, I've got these placements, you know what I'm saying? Like I've done all of that. So it is something that I'm working on this year. Like I've I've got one, that I've got a couple that I'll tell you about like after the podcast that, that should be coming yeah. soon. But yeah, I think like overall, I haven't been worrying about them or spending that much time on them just because I'm so focused on the online thing. And I think there's a lot more opportunities online, selling beats, selling beat leases, drum drum kits, sample packs, all of that side, rather than just sending packs out. You know what I'm saying? See, my, my opinion on that, yeah, is that, and, and this is purely just my opinion, I'm not telling other people what to do. Yeah. But like, my opinion on that is, that's exactly what you should be doing as a producer. Yeah. Like what you just said, well, I've done I've done it from both sides, yeah. Like I, I'm talking from experience. Yeah, yeah. I've done. I've been. I've been the industry producer. Like I've been the person who turns up to sessions. I've been the person who travels for two and a half hours on the train to end up waiting for somebody to turn up to studio so yeah. they can unlock it for you. And been in the rain and shoot, artists not turning up to sessions and you end up recording two tracks and none of them come out. Yeah. And you get pointless, um, like pointless sessions and, and things like that. I've been that person, yeah, because that's that's how I saw it was the only way feasible to, to make it as a producer at a right. certain point in my life. That's that's what, how I thought you made it in, and I've been the produ- I've been the producer who does the online thing, and I can tell you right now, doing the online thing is way like is astronomically better. Yeah, like I, I can't even I can't even comprehend the like the difference you, you don't you're not because when you when you're an industry producer when you're when you're somebody who like the scene the scene that you're in is relying on you for beats and yeah. artists only are relying on you for beats you you like you just said like you're um 
looking like you're relying on somebody else you can't run a yeah, business relying it. on somebody else you, exactly you've got to, you've got to build a customer base you've got to build people and that's that's a big mistake on my part like from my sense like i've done the youtube i got noticed from the youtube thing yeah i said when i first started i had a funnily enough you mentioned westy earlier i had a youtube channel doing grind beats before yeah. westy had a youtube channel doing grind beats sure. like how me and Mest- how me and westy sorry met was um he messaged me asking for like mix and mastering like tips yeah. and stuff. Like that's how we first had communication. Like he was before we were doing me, me and my brethren were doing like grime beat uploads and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And we were getting twenty five thousand views on grime beats that like we shouldn't have been getting twenty five thousand views yeah, on. Yeah. And we would never get that now because obviously the the market's saturated, etc. But we were doing that, and then as soon as we got into a position where we were like we're getting placements now. We got stush, and then we were like, "We're not putting beats out. Like, we're, we can't just give everybody our beats because we're yeah. this person and we're this person." And you should never think. And I think that that was another thing I was going to ask you actually, because like, I think when I've sat in sessions and stuff, people at a certain period looked at YouTube producers as like a corny thing, mm. and I think that's what put us off it. But I think now with like with the amount of people like your Cash Money APs or your yeah, if the um, UK ones got your Chris Nick Rich, Rich Ghosty, like everyone yeah, Chris Rich Ghosty yeah, people who have come up now through drill as well yeah, and I mean even you to an extent like like yeah. you're big in in the scene that you're in do you know what I mean so like it's and and it's a credit to the YouTube producers who are realistically that I mean you're creating every video you put out you're creating another producer or you're yeah. you're pushing somebody to do something big do you know what like when somebody's getting placements and sat in a studio holding all these secrets <laughs> that they're gonna like they don't they don't want to give out and that yeah. like they're, all they're doing is like creating some short term career that nobody's gonna care about in 10 years like realistically that's, and that's as, that's as real as I can put it yeah. and being in Grom as well that taught me that so quick because I've been in sessions with people who don't want to tell me their mixing presets in sessions. We're, we're collabing on a beat Jeez. and they don't want to tell me what they're using to mix. Like or, putting the or, hand or, over the screen like, nah, bro, you can't see this part. Like, <laughs> it's, bro, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, I'm generally, yeah, I've had, I've done, I've done a, I won't mention any names, but yeah. I've done collabs yet with producers that have turned up with loops and I'll be like, bro, this is cold, man. Like, it'll just be me and the producer sat in a room yeah. before any artists have turned up and I'll say, bro, this is cold. Like, what did you do? Like, what, 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 what did you use? What plugins are you using? What presets? You know what I mean? What, like, just give me something. Yeah. Yeah. Nah, man. Nah, I can't even. Nah. Nah. Bro, that mentality like, is the worst mentality you can have. Like, from the other, you know not I mean? from it's, you, it's I mean, from the other person. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, like, imagine if I was doing that. Imagine if in my videos I never showed anyone anything. What I've learned along my journey is the more that you give, the more you're going to receive. And you should never feel like. I can't remember who said it, but someone said a quote was something like, oh, if, you're, if you're scared to give out the sauce, you must have a limited amount of sauce. And that's just true. And you, like, I, I can give people as many tips as they need. Like, I can talk to you about everything. I could show you every little mixing detail that I do. But if your mindset isn't right, and if you don't put in the reps, like you were saying earlier, then you're not going to go anywhere. So me actually just telling you what I do is not going to harm me in the slightest. It's just a Trust crazy... Me. I don't know why people think that Oh, if I if I give away the secret, then that means that I'm not gonna go anywhere because this person's gonna be above me. Then, like, what is that mentality? It's crazy. I, I know producers. I know producers that won't post Instagram videos because they're scared about showing their screens, like accidentally, yeah, or because they're scared about just showing something like that they're using a plugin or some like. And this this mentality, yeah, I mean, it's an older mentality. Yeah. A lot of the producers I know that do it, they are they are post thirty and they and they do like they are very much like clinging onto their sound and stuff. But it, it's funny because like. It, they're worried about people replicating their sound yeah. and if you're worried about people replicating your sound then 
you're stupid. Yeah. Like that's that's as simple as I can put uh, it. Like you are stupid because everybody's gonna like even if if I made a J Cactus type beat here tomorrow. Yeah, it's gonna be a it it might be similar, but it's not gonna be a J Cactus beat. Like yeah. it's, it's a type beat. Look, so therefore if I make so-and-so type beat whatever and you've taught me all these plugins you've used i'm not going to use them in the same way i'll do something different yeah i'll do something that doesn't make it sound like your beat or my mix won't be as strong or whatever look so you look if you've got that insecurity where you don't want to let anybody know anything especially in person as yeah. well like that's it, the worst like, when it's just like, you two like connected in a studio it's yeah. like come on <laughs> yeah but that, that, was, that has, that has my, been that times sorry what were you gonna say no, sorry, that's what I was saying. That, that was mad. That, a crazy that, one. That, that session was just a bit crazy. Yeah, I remember just being... That's what opened my eyes to it, to be honest with you. Yeah. Like, I just remember just being sat there, just being like, what? Are you for real? <laughs> like, I don't even understand the logic behind that. Yeah. I was just going to say, like, that. there have been times where I've been, like, maybe a little annoyed for a second, but then it just goes... Then it just flies by where, like, maybe people have sent me beats and been like, yo, what do you think of this? And I've listened to it, and it's just been the exact same melody that I used in my tutorial. But then I think, you know what, like, it, it is what it is. Like, you've copied my melody, but to me, it's a form of flattery. Like, you, you've liked my beat so much that you've, you've copied my melody. So, it's just one of them. Yeah, put, look, put, it, put that into perspective, yeah. Look, I mean, when I first started, I used to copy. Like, I'd, generally, oh, everyone, I did. I'm not going to lie to anybody. Like, I used to copy. Everyone did. Like, who watched the tutorial. Yeah. That's how you learn. It's like... Oh yeah, not like copying, but I mean, everyone's I've got, done I've got it, bro. Actually, I say I say when I started, yeah, I'm even fronting with that. Look, if I'm being truthfully honest, sometimes when I watch tutorials, I make the melody. I'll never put the beat out, and it, it will never become a finalized thing. But I'll yeah. make the same melody they do in the tutorial, so I can get an understanding yeah, of yeah, how yeah. they've done it. Look, I, I don't know if you've heard this, but there's a producer. I think he's German or something. His, his name's Old Boy. I don't know if you've yeah, seen him. Yeah, on, I've, on, I've come across yeah. his channel on YouTube. I love his melodies, yeah, skippy as hell. Like, yeah. I love them, like, the melodies and stuff. And there was a guy who'd done a tutorial that I actually listened to the melody and I thought, bro, this sounds like a, this actually sounds like a melody yeah. that he would make. And, and I thought it was cool, so I, I made it. So that I could, like, I literally remade the same melody he made, exactly, note for note, exactly the way he'd done it, yeah, same velocities, yeah. everything was the same, just so that I could, like, understand it. Now, if you said to me, Frank, make an oh, oh boy melody or whatever, yeah. like, I'll go make you an oh boy melody because I'm pretty confident I can do that now. Yeah. Because I done it exactly how that person done it. I wouldn't make the same melody, but I'd use the same technique. Yeah, that makes sense. Because yeah, once you've done something, even if it's the exact same way, then it's like oh, you've kind of figured out the process, then you've kind of seen all right. He uses this kind of chord progression. He usually uses this scale, and you kind of figure out the yeah. pattern, don't you? And then you can apply that yeah. to your to your own stuff. But that's how that's how you learn, really, isn't it? Like you kind of just 100%. repeating what people do. And the thing is, is that do. if you're ever going to get anywhere, if you're ever going to get anywhere with it, like the music thing, like if you're a producer, like yeah. it's not going to happen from making your exact melodies that you make on tutorials. Yeah, like exactly. That, and like you, like you can do that once. And then after that, you're on your own. Like you can't just go to every Jay Cactus tutorial, make his melodies, and start sending beats. Like, it don't work <laughs> like that because you like it's still going to be limited. You're still going to be capped. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like so, you're going to be sat there waiting for me you're... to upload a video. Like right, <laughs> exactly. Do you know what I mean, yeah. bro? What, what do you mean Jay's not doing one video every week? Because I've got beats to send out, man. Do you know what I mean? Like people, you can't you can't wait for it. That's so jokes. therefore, like people will start learning themselves because they'll start accidentally or subconsciously realizing how you do it and yeah. then they'll start making their own thing and then it will become different and then develops look people are so scared like in music mm. people are so scared for everything it's why the argument of loops yeah. has like using loops has gone on for so long people are just so scared to like be in the firing line i'll tell you right now yeah i cannot make 12 beats a day if i don't use loops but do you yeah. know the thing with loops now 
you, do you, like, the, the big thing with loops now in comparison to like six, seven years ago. Yeah. A lot of them are royalty free. And if they're not, they're only not royalty free until you get to major placements. And if you get to major mm. placements, you will take a cut. I yeah. can tell you that. You will take it, you will literally contact a producer and say, listen, I've got a major placement with so and so through Sony or through Universal or UMG or whatever. Um, and like, here's your 20%. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, you, yeah. you're happy to do that. Because, and so people are so scared to use the loops. Like, I use loops every single day. I'm not going to make, do you think I could make two, three, four, <laughs> five, six, seven beats a day if I didn't use loops? No, it don't happen. Of course. Look, and, but people are so scared to do it. And I tell people openly that in sessions. And again, same thing. I get the same type of response where it's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Use loops. You can't use loops. Like, that, that, how are you your own producer if you use somebody else's loops? Because Bro, I, I feel I like that's it. such because an old school I, mentality. Because I do a, trust me trust me and that's where i get i get caught i get very caught up in the grind thing that's why i don't want to get boxed in because people look at me when i say when you say grind producer i think sometimes that has negative connotations with it because a lot of grind producers are very narrow-minded and they don't want people to know anything what do you think it is with grind producers do you think because it is do you think it's got an older crowd yeah yeah it's an age age a lot look a lot of the grind producers that have been around for a long time they're they're 30 plus and they've been doing this thing for a long time. And I'm not putting them down. They do what they do. But their their way of thinking, and without sounding disrespectful, but their way of thinking will die out in, within five years. Yeah. And when it does die out, there's only going to be space for 15-year-olds to come through and take their spot. Yeah. Like, it, it's, seems, it's, it seems kind of mad that it's the older crowd that are against using loops when fucking hip-hop is based around sampling. Like, if you take it back to when hip-hop was coming out, it was always samples. It was just always samples, like people would just chop up a sample and that, that is a loop, isn't it? So older heads should understand more, if anything, that, yeah, hip-hop was kind of built on sampling shit. So what's the difference between sampling an old, like a real old record on vinyl and then sampling a loop that a producer's made in his bedroom? Obviously, it's a different sound, but it's the same lot, kind of sam- shit. Sampling's, sampling's been a thing in grime as well, though. And that's, yeah. and that's exactly like what you just said. Like, people, I don't know, People just like to demonize things in music and it just doesn't make it sometimes just without any sense attached to it. I think it's a way to try and make themselves feel better. Like, oh, he's done this, but yeah, he used the loop. So I'm going to put him down. Like, why can't you just be happy for man? Like, if if you're seeing people winning, then I just love to see people win. Like, I'm never going to hate. Like, and I feel like it's always producers that do that as well. It's only ever producers that are going to criticize other people and say, oh, you use the loop or you use the MIDI or whatever. It's never the average listener. Like people don't don't care what like how the thing was made as long as it sounds good. You know what I'm saying? Exactly that. Exactly that. It's a like, nail on the head. Uh, this is joke. So just as we were speaking about like the tutorial thing, I got a comment from someone saying, I want to use melody of this beat is legal. Is it legal? <laughs> so we just watched the tutorial and it's like I want to use the melody can I legally do that <laughs> do, do, you know, do you know what's funny that's that's actually a funny thing to say though isn't it because yeah. like look in that sense yeah look so that person who's who's asking you whether they can use your beat is that legal yeah. almost to a certain extent believes that you own you own them notes yeah, you're yeah. using that melody right now you've got copyright on that on that score yeah <laughs> it don't work like that does it <laughs> and it, that's that, and that, but this is this is do you know what? It's funny, yeah. Like you know, you said earlier, like about um, getting into, you, like you follow the path, like your parents or your teachers tell you to go to go yeah. down and stuff. Like um, with the uni and the, and the college thing and, and all that, all that type of stuff. Right. 
it's because people don't teach you financial literacy yeah the people don't teach you that you can make money elsewhere you can't make like i didn't even hear the words passive income yeah. until five years ago like i didn't realize that you could make money make money yeah like, yeah do you know what i mean i didn't investing didn't exist to me um like all these different types of things ways that you can make money without like actually doing anything didn't exist to me and it, i feel like it's the same with the music business like in the sense that people don't understand anything no it's because true. The, the people who are leading them like aren't really telling them a lot of stuff you see what i'm saying yeah, that's why yeah. people like you online and and people like i mean like busy works beats for instance been doing it for years yeah like, but the music stuff but like the music industry side of things is so misconceived as to how it works oh it's oh, one of the like, most confusing things to people ever 100 percent. and and to, to be fair to this day yeah i'll be open with you to this to this day I'm still baffled by certain things that happen, like yeah. with me, like I, with with royalties and and things. Sometimes I feel like I should have got more money than I did, or less money than I did. Like, do you know what I mean? I, sometimes yeah, yeah. I can't even figure stuff out. I've, I mean, I, I've had uh, I, I got a Puma advert a few years ago. I done a Puma advert. Um, I got paid like a lot less than I thought I would. I got paid a lot less for a Puma advert that I done than I did for a Channel Four um, like TV show. Oh shit! I done. I had back to back got placed on Channel Four. Uh, and it was on a TV show rolling for about two months or something. And I got paid a lot less for the Puma advert than I did for the Channel 4 thing. And I was like, this is weird. Like, what's going That's on? That's crazy. But like... Do, do you think you taking that deal or realising it later, do you think that was down to you never being, like, taught like what to accept and what's right? Or, just, you know, yeah. just not having the knowledge there at the time? Being musically versed. I think... Do you know what? I think you should just make as many mistakes as you physically can when you first start producing. Yeah. As many. Like, like, go out of your way to make mistakes, <laughs> generally. Yeah, yeah. Like, do you know what? I, I don't know if you... I mean, you would have probably heard of him, but I don't know if you follow him or anything, but you know, like, Brock Lucart, who runs, like, 808 Mafia. He's, like, a CEO, a yeah, yeah, of CEO or whatever. I was listening to his um, podcast with producer Grind recently. Yeah, he's, a, like, he's an amazing um, guy, like, in terms of everything, to be honest with you, because, like, yeah. we have... I mean, I've never, like, actually touched base with him, don't get me wrong. I'd <laughs> love to. But, like... Um, Obviously, he's very much into like the crypto side of things and the NFT side of things as well, like the investing and and stuff. Because I'm very much the age that I am now as well. Like, mm. I, music isn't everything I'm relying on as an income. Yeah, of course. So, like, I've got money in crypto. Uh, I, like, I know a lot about NFTs. We spoke about this. Yeah, I definitely want to get into NFTs at, at um, some point with you as well and kind of break that yeah, down for people. But go on, what what were you saying? Um, yeah, like I know a lot about NFTs and like I've done a lot of research on that. And uh, also like I, I've got very heavy in the investment side of things, especially yeah. this year. Like I've, I've built up my own portfolio and I've started like making money on that side of things, like passive income, so to speak. What, what type and of Brock investments Luka, like property, like stocks? Uh, stocks and shares. Like right. I, I wish I wish property. I'd, be, <laughs> I'd definitely be out of my job if I was out of <laughs> But um, I am looking, to be honest with you, I am looking into to, in the future doing property. Like, yeah, Because yeah. I feel like it, music's, Music's good, but music's inconsistent Pass. at the best. Like so, like it is it, always good to have something else. You know what I mean? Like, oh, and 100%. people aren't just if you were only ever like. I heard, do you know, what? I heard somebody say yeah, once in a studio session. I say I heard somebody say. Somebody said to me, "Yeah, like you can't be interested in too many different things. Like you have to solely focus on music." And I remember like thinking, I didn't say it back because, like I said, like not always the loudest person in the room. But um, <laughs> I. Uh, I remember thinking like if you if if literally everybody in music just cared about music, can you imagine how boring that would be? Of course. And how broke like, people would end up yeah. as well. 
people. <laughs> yeah, trust me. Trust me. But like, it would be so boring. Like Everyone would just be this narrow-minded human. You'd never yeah. be able to have a conversation outside kicks and snares. Yeah, it would yeah. be just crazy. Like it, 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 A lot of the relationships I've built with people in music like that, that have become like our people our class is actually friends outside of music yeah um like that's not through just talking about music like uh, don't get me wrong predominantly it is music because it's, it's a very big common ground but right. like uh, other things fall into it because life real life happens around music like people have to do stuff like pe- people have families situations happen uh you have jobs you have like all these types of things that just factor in so can you imagine how boring it'd be if just like Nah, bro. What are you do- doing talking about your family? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about I'm talking about whether or not you've downloaded the latest Southside kit. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I'm not talking about your family. It'd just be weird. So, like, that's what I got very like heavily into that side of it. That and I think sense. that a lot of people, I think a lot of people personally should. But anyway, sorry. The Brock Brock Luca thing was he he tweeted. I don't know how long ago it was, but it just always stuck in my head. Um, if you're a 15 or 16 year old producer, you should take a producer deal. So you should take like a, you know, like a Southside when he signed Palace yeah, yeah. for like a 30, you get a 30% cut or something, 20%. It's not a good deal. And he's, and they're quite open about that, to be honest with you. They're, yeah. like, they're look, they're, they're very much like you sign with us, you get a, a small split, like that's it. Um, But like he said, take them deals because you'll learn how the industry works. Right. And that's true. And, I, and I, I, I saw that tweet and it's stuck in my head since. And that's very true. The opportunities in the UK are very few and far between because we don't have many... 808 mafias or internet monies yeah or, we don't have the big like, groups like that if, if any i don't think we have any like we don't have producers signing to other producers because unfortunately in the uk we're quite closed-minded yeah. in the sense that if you have a producer producing loops for you somehow that makes you a worse producer yeah so yeah. i know what you're saying you don't want to do it i think the thing with signing to a like another producer like that like the 808 mafia thing Obviously, if you're a 15-year-old producer, you haven't really got any experience. So, yeah, you learn how the industry works. Plus, when you come out of that deal, because the deals don't last forever. So, once you come out of that deal, imagine how many credits you'd have there. Like, imagine coming out of a deal at 18, 19, and you've worked with some of the biggest artists ever. Like, whatever you set up from there, you've, you're at an advantage straight away because you know how the industry works. You've got the credits behind you. And you can go on and do Look anything. Look at Palace now. Yeah, Look he's, he's now. like the prime example. Prime I mean, pr- Palace. Palace isn't even. Uh, he was older. He was like. I, I think he's like. I think he's like our age now. Is it? So I think he was like twenty five or twenty four or whatever when he signed the deal. Yeah. So like, I mean, I, I think I, I'm not being funny. Like, and I, I won't front at all. If if eight oh eight mafia approached me to create loops for them, yeah, or do some top, I would still take that deal on thirty percent because it's still people don't understand how hard it is to make money in music. Yeah, yeah. Like it's hard. It's like you can don't get me wrong you can but there's a lot of work associated with it and when if you if you just make loops or you make beats that you can give to somebody to put their name on like it cuts out a lot of bullshit yeah. even if you're taking a even if you're taking a lot of um it, like you're taking a cut a big cut on it like it cuts out a lot of stuff in between that you don't have to do with yeah 100 percent. and it's like you might not have the skills to to kind of network with people you might not have the experience so if your only job is to make loops or make beats and send them to the label and let them do the hard work then you're just doing what you love doing what you got into it for and plus you're building See, I your think portfolio so I think in that sense though I will say look, which kind of contradicts my point but I will say that I think you should only it, it, and again opinion I have to state yeah. it's just opinion don't take my word for it but from my standpoint 
don't sign to a label. Like, mm. I'm not saying I'm not saying that labels can't be beneficial because they definitely can be beneficial, but they're really only beneficial to people who are already in the point where they don't really need a label. Like, yeah, that's when yeah. they're beneficial. Because, like, if you if you sign to a producer, like for instance, right now, yeah, if like 808 Mafia approaches you and they say to you, "We can get you all of the- like this is our list of placements. This is what we can get you in a year, but you're going to take thirty percent." You're going to be like yeah but why not like do you know what i mean like i'll take it or yeah. you may you may or may not be like yeah i'll take it but whatever like let's just say for instance you say i'll take it but then a label approaches you and says to you we might be able to do these things for you but we'll put you in sessions with these people right and they might be able to get vocals but look then they then after like six months if you haven't managed to secure something they don't get you any more sessions yeah and yeah. then you're sat there waiting around and twiddling your thumbs and you did and nothing happens it, it's just it becomes non-beneficial for both parties yeah. like is there's, there's 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 no upside at a certain point whereas if you've got the leverage already like if you're already doing that them types of numbers that a label approaches you they're going to give you a good deal for one mm. and they're and they're and they're going to put you in sessions because they know that you're comp- like even if you don't get a placement for six months they know you can get a placement so therefore yeah. it doesn't matter it seems to me with labels like especially years ago they were just looking for talent but now, to even get signed, you need to have a name for yourself anyway, especially as an artist. They might pick up certain producers, but more than anything, they want someone that's already built up that traction, that's built up that momentum, and then they take them like, as they're growing like that. But when you're, if you're at that point where you've already got an audience, like, why wouldn't you just like carry on by yourself? It doesn't really on. make sense. Yeah, exactly that. It's, it's, it's like you just said, exactly like you just said. Like right now, yeah, your YouTube channel is doing very well. You've like done super well for like, I mean, how long have you been running it now? Like a year and a half? Not even that. The, the channel's only been open for maybe maybe just over a year now. Just over a year, yeah. yeah. So so around about COVID last year, you started doing it. Yeah, so a year's yeah. work. Yeah. A label, if they approached you now and said to you, like, you can come and sign with us and we'll maybe get you in sessions with XYZ, but, like, everything you put on YouTube, we own. Yeah, there's like, no chance to do it. Of course. Do you know what I mean? You're not going to do that because you know what you've done in a year, so you know what you can do in another two. Yeah. Three, four. Exactly. Look, and realistically, they're going to sign you for a two-year deal. So, yeah. like, when you get that two-year deal, you're going to... You'll go to the label, you'll bumble around about for a bit, and then not really do much. And and it's that's, and that's you up and unfortunately you up. that's a sad reality yeah. of being in a, on a label. Like that's it, man. Mm. Well, that, I think that's the beauty of doing kind of what what I'm doing rather than spending my time looking for placements. It kind of goes back to that thing of saying like I'm not relying on anyone else. I'm not. I don't have to send my drum kits out to someone and wait for them to release it. I don't have to ask someone's permission if i can upload a youtube video i'm fully in control of like what i put out how i run the business and there's no one really getting in between that so to me right now like doing like the whole online thing is like there's a lot more potential than spending your time trying to get placements but then again people do get a lot of success like going through the placement thing but i think doing something like this has longevity yeah that's it that's it. I think if you can do both, then of course you you're winning. Then aren't you? I mean, you're, it's it's kind of almost going back to what you were saying about Gary V earlier. Yeah. <laughs> he always like, <coughs> sorry, he always um bangs on about cross content. Yeah, like cross cross platform content. Yeah. And like essentially, what you, if you're a YouTube producer or, or like a YouTube producer, mm. um, like if you do YouTube as a producer, you're kind of doing that because like for instance, the beats you make in tutorials, yeah, yeah, 
they're beats that can get placed. Like there's nothing against you. Like and you're doing two jobs at once. Yeah. So like it's going out to your YouTube fans. It might go on your beat stars, or you might send it out for a placement. And then they're like you've done two jobs in one hit. Like it's it's almost like this podcast thing right now. Yeah. When after you finish, like after we've got this all together, yeah. And we finished having our conversation, you'll cut this up into a little snippet and you'll put it on your Instagram, and mm-hmm. then you'll. Um, you'll take it over to YouTube and you'll have the full content over on YouTube and then you might do a little write-up about it on Twitter and it might go on your Discord That's and then it. like you like automatically just by sitting down having a conversation that you would have had for free anyway like like you, you've yeah, ended up course. with loads of different content do you know what I mean like it's That's it. minor and, and so that, and that's how you have to look at everything like yeah just push it even as like push a out. so-called yeah. industry producer like there's why, mm. why can't they do their, their online stuff as well? They might not be able to upload it straight away because obviously they hold on to tracks. Because they don't want to share the secrets, yeah, man. They yeah. don't want to share the secrets. That's it. You put this out as an audio version as well, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'll go on like Apple Podcasts, yeah. Spotify and everything. Yeah, I forgot. To be fair, I forgot about that. Man. Yeah, yeah. It goes, out, it goes out everywhere, man. <laughs> mm. But yeah, I was graft. just saying... See, that's what I mean. It's good. It's a good graft. Oh, of course. Once you've got... Podcasts are one of the best things that you can do because you can, you can get so much content from this one podcast. I probably don't utilize them as much as I should do in the sense of taking like micro content from them. I obviously take it for like the Instagram clips. I'm going to start doing more of them as well. I finally, I keep, I've, I'm always telling people to join TikTok and I finally done it myself. I joined it like a while ago and started uploading a Have few you, things. Well, you've got it now. I, yeah, I, I just got it yesterday. Just got it yesterday. I had it before. What's your, what's your username on it? J Cactus? Yeah, it should just be J Cactus. But I, I, you I had it before. Um, I uploaded oh, a few things and then I just left it for time. But now I'm thinking like, why am I not just on everything? I always tell people like you should be on all social media platforms. It's another question that I get asked in my DMs. A lot of people saying, yo, bro, do you, do you think I should join Discord? Do you think I should try Twitch? Do you think I should try TikTok? And it's like, why wouldn't you just try everything? Like, You don't know what's going to work for you until you actually try it. That's basically what Definitely. I did before I started my YouTube channel. I, I was like posting like the beat videos on Instagram, posting little things on TikTok, posting YouTube videos, just trying everything. And then YouTube was the one that was like picking up the most traction. So that's when I doubled down on it. But what I shouldn't have done is I, I shouldn't have stopped on the other platforms because yeah, YouTube's cool and everything. But what happens if YouTube dies off? I can't really imagine YouTube dying off because that's the one that's been around for like the longest. It's not like a social media platform, is it? It's more of like a an actual search engine where people can go in and like just search for whatever they want and watch it. So I don't it's, think it is, it is the second highest performing search engine after Google. Isn't it? Yeah. So to me, it's the most secure one in a way. I, I, I just can't see it dying off. But no, if I not, just stuck yeah, to like Instagram, Instagram one day might might just die off. Kind of like what happened to like Facebook pages and or MySpace and or fine, something. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, I think either way, you should just use all social media platforms. But I was saying all this because I just joined TikTok again yesterday. So yeah, now I'm just figuring out ways. To- oh, so you're not actually, oh, so what is the, what is the channel that I've followed? Not the right one. I've followed Jay Cactus. No, wait, let me see. Unless there's a big one. There is, there should be like five videos on there. Cause I was saying that I had it ages ago. And then when YouTube started popping off. Yeah, yeah, that should be the right one. Yeah, yeah. So, on. oh yeah, yeah, I've seen you follow me. So yeah, yesterday's video is the first one I've uploaded in like a long time. All the others were like a year ago or something. So mm. I'm gonna be more active on there now. I'm just gonna the organic the organic reach on TikTok is absolutely is is it still um, good? Because you can run ads on TikTok now, Katya, 
Or can you? Yeah, yeah, you can yeah. get. A bit, yeah, you can. Yeah, you, you, they've got an ads manager now. You can set up for like a business manager and whatnot. Like oh, yeah. the same thing as like um, it's still early days, but I mean like again, the, even with the business manager, yeah, um, it's kind of free for all. Like it right. really like at the moment with TikTok, it kind of is because like anyone can get big on there at this point because yeah. the algorithm's so open and it won't be forever. Like it, I can't imagine it being much longer than maybe six to eight months. Yeah. now, like because because. I mean, look, there was a time on Instagram and on Facebook way back when where you could hit six, 700 views just for posting up a video or a, or a photo or whatever. Yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen now because it's obviously got to be restricted because you create celebrities right. from Instagram and, and, and uh, Facebook and the same way that you do from TikTok now. So they can't legally really, I don't think, within that realm, allow that amount of organic reach to be for everybody. Yeah, yeah. Also, they want to keep people in the app the longest, so therefore they want to find the celebrities quickly, and then they want to hone in on them and make sure everybody's seeing what they're doing and not what. Yeah, and they want people to buy ads. So if you clock that your videos are performing well, it's going to encourage you to actually pay for ads and increase. Yeah, I mean the reach. that's that's Instagram's whole al- algorithm. Isn't it? Yeah, Instagram's whole algorithm is that even if you are, even if you've got a good Instagram, like if you, I've 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 run theme pages before, they've yeah. got like very good followings, and when they die out um i wonder what percentage it reaches like when you make a post it obviously depends on how many people initially like like it and comment on it and stuff but that initial post i wonder how many like what percentage of your audience it actually reaches i think it's, it's different it's different because with youtube it's like the youtube's algorithm works I, I mean i say this like the algorithm really like people worry so much about algorithms yeah, like they yeah. make a massive difference and and if you worry about the algorithm it's the same thing as worrying about perfection in music like it's yeah of it's really like pointless because you're not gonna beat it you just got to get on with it and, and continue to just do what you're doing yeah but like with i think with youtube it's the first hour isn't it it can be to be honest it's one of them things that i haven't even looked into that much i've read up certain things on like to do with the algorithm but i stopped really focusing on it i just focus on like putting the content out yeah yeah that makes the most sense and look at what look at what your channel's done because you just people concentrate so much on numbers yeah, it's yeah, like it's it. such a mad thing yeah. but like it's just but i think anyway with youtube i think it's the first hour the yeah. most like if you get interaction and likes and, and all these types of things of your video then right. they'll push your video a little bit more i think with instagram i think it's 24 hours but like the thing is with instagram is that they limit your reach so much that like realistically yeah. 80% of your posts might not do that well within 24 hours yeah so what's mad though is, is you say that about the first like hour or so on youtube but some of my videos that i uploaded months ago are now starting to pick up attraction and, and get all the views like i had one it was yeah. just like a vocal mixing thing that i did and at the time it was doing like okay but it wasn't like oh in the first day i got i got thousands of views but then yeah now that when I look at the figures now, it's gone past like 100k views. So I don't, the algorithm just makes no sense to me because if that was true about uploading it and getting so many views in an hour, then that video wouldn't be popping off now. So it's crazy. And I, I, feel, I feel the same way as well because I think um, I've done, I, I, like I said to you, I was uploading videos last year. Yeah. And um, like November, I had like a, obviously I had three months off last year for COVID. Right. And then I, I was like going ham with it, but I went under a different name, which was stupid because I started like a, li- a different, um, like it wasn't stupid, but like me and Ras done like a little thing for three months where we were both co-producing like a lot of stuff because I right. just wanted to do it. It was a good experience and stuff. Um, and so we done some bits um, 
we done like a collab with uh, I don't know if you know Nico Baran from uh, Internet Money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We done like a collab with him. We oh, had, we sick. had like a track I put out with him, which was quite. It was like, do you know what I mean? It was what it was. Yeah, we done it. Um, and that was quite cool. And then like after them three months, and I went back to work. I was like, bruv, why didn't I? I should have concentrated on audio slugs over them three months. Yeah. Like I should have done audio slugs internet thing. But like I said to you, I was in that mindset where being a grind producer and being online was all just <laughs> weird. So I can't do both. Um, and I. So I, yeah, so I didn't concentrate on audio slugs, but then I started uploading again in November on audio slugs YouTube. Right. And the videos that I'd uploaded in November, like didn't get really any views. And then I started again in March this year, literally start of this month. I've yeah. been releasing a beat every single day on my YouTube, youtube.com forward slash audio slugs for everybody <laughs> listening. Um, shameless plug. And trust me, it wasn't shameless either. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, yeah, the, the beats that I upload in November started like skyrocketing. Yeah. Because because I started uploading again in March, the beats that I'd upload in in November, like I got one beat that hit four K in a week. I scored that. Just just on a beat. and it was it was on it was on two hundred views before I started uploading again in March. Yeah. But because something about something about me becoming active again yeah, made my yeah. older kind videos push the other ones creep back up. Yeah, exactly. So I mean it's. I think concentrating on algorithms for any social media platform is just stupid. And concentrating on numbers is also stupid. Yeah. Like I've got videos on my YouTube channel that have got 10 views, but nobody's going to tell me that I'm not a good enough producer. And nobody's going to tell me that I, I can't like make beats that could go viral or anything like that. Like I don't care. Like yeah. It literally doesn't matter to me. And you like, never know who them 10 people are. Like just because it's got 10 views, it doesn't mean that the 10 people that heard it are not important. You know what I mean? Yeah. What makes what makes more of a difference to my everyday life is that I know I've done the work yeah. and that it's gone in, and that's all that's all I care about. Yeah, to be honest. You so can... as long as I know I've put the work in, they've got uploaded to YouTube. If they've done ten views, twenty views, or twenty thousand views, it makes zero difference to me. Yeah, like zero. You just can't. I don't you can't predict I... the future, can you? you? You can't like just upload something and be like, "This is going to do big numbers." Like this is going to be crazy. You just have to literally do the work to start off with, and then let the universe decide what's going to happen with your shit. <laughs> Exactly. Simple it's consistency. I remember, you know firsthand. It's yeah. consistency. It's gonna get you where you like if if I'd if I'd been uploading beats every day since I started uploading again in November, yeah. all the way through March, like my beats probably would be doing a lot more than they were yeah, or have yeah. done. But like I stopped and I started and I stopped and I started and I stopped. Do you know what I mean? And, and it doesn't do you any good. No, because of course. For not only for the YouTube algorithm, but for yourself as well. I mean, I, I had them six months feeling like I'd done nothing, even though I was producing every day and yeah. I was making a load of beats and I might have been sending beats out at certain points or whatever. But like, I it made no difference to my actual life. And YouTube, even if it does get 10 views, I know that I've done the work and I know I put it in. And it's the same thing with doing my website now. Like, uploading beats and stuff every day, it gives you the sense of fulfillment that you're actually doing something. Yeah. Cause that makes Working sense. towards that goal. Hundred percent. Well, bro, I know um one thing that I did want to get into that we haven't. I know we touched on it briefly, but you mentioned NFTs earlier, and just from like seeing yeah. your social posts and everything, I know that you've been getting into them a lot more. So I definitely want to talk to you about that. And yeah, it's one of them things that a lot of people are talking about, but not a lot of people fully understand. Like some people think it's some kind of get rich quick scheme. Like some people think, or some people just don't know what it is. So. For anyone that doesn't know what an NFT is, what it means, just briefly explain to them. 
essentially like to, to give you like the the technical definition of it it's a non-fungible token which essentially means that it's not a fixed uh it's not like a fixed price essentially on it like yeah. so for instance if, if if me and you both had a pound coin and we traded the pound coins they're still worth a pound right. that doesn't make any difference if me and you had like two pieces of art hanging up on our wall and we traded them they're worth different value they're of different value yeah so that's essentially what an nft is an nft is worth different value to for every nft it's worth something different and right. that and that continuously changes as well so like if you upload an nft today that's worth a tenner in real in real fiat money should we say yeah uh in six months time that might be worth a hundred pound in fiat money or a thousand or whatever so it's, it's forever growing i think the most the thing that i want to push the most of nfts is that number one like you just touched on it's mm. not a get rich quick scheme like it if you don't have a fan base yeah the same way that you don't put out music on youtube because you think having 10 views is bad or you don't put up things on soundcloud because you don't want to just get 100 plays right um is the same way that you shouldn't put an nft out like because it's essentially the same thing if you haven't got a fan base to sell it to th there's not just this all of a sudden magical fan base that yeah, finds yeah. you and it's free promotion and you're going to sell something for 69 million you know what <laughs> i mean it's, it don't work like that um ill mind was the first one that i saw do it uh, yeah as a the same, same for me as well yeah he done it he done a loot pack and that sold for six thousand dollars in yeah. fiat but the thing is is that he sold that that when you sell something on an nft platform it's sold in ethereum which is a cryptocurrency yeah and ethereum is a, a volatile currency currently so if you sell something in ethereum for instance ethereum is up i think over the last few days i think ethereum's up mm. about six percent so it's up to like 1800 to to, to one ethereum 1800 pound is what one so ethereum that sample is, pack's worth more right now because so that sample gonna, pack, if mm. if he if he kept that money in Ethereum and didn't cash it out into yeah. into real money, real money, yeah, um, yeah. then yeah, that's that that mon that money is just consistently growing for him at the moment. And I and again, I have to state because I mean this is this will go out on YouTube, so I have to <laughs> state it's not like financial advice, yeah. but crypto is a forever changing market at the moment, and it only seems to be going one way, and that's up. And the only mm. reason that is is because it's the most exciting thing that's ever happened to currency in our lifetime. And yeah. it is probably going to be the most exciting thing that happens. Over the next 10 years, I think there's going to be a huge shift from uh, gold being the predominant currency to Bitcoin and Ethereum and yeah. creating a Web 3.0. So I think the sooner you get in on that space, on the crypto space, the better. Because... Even if you're not looking to make a load of money, you'll at least understand how it works. And then once you understand how it works, you'll be ahead of the curve when it does finally kick in. Are there any cryptos that are like government backed in a way? Because to me, I look at it two ways because part of me thinks, yeah, of course it's the future because the government do want a cashless society. Like they, they just do, don't they? But at the same time, because crypto is not like really managed by like anyone, not managed, but it's not like a bank yeah exactly it's decentralized so to me part of me thinks would the government want that because then the no. it's not in their control so that's where i'm no, like I don't, I don't think from my personal opinion i don't think that any government wants it or any bank yeah but i don't think i feel like 
in the current society we are, that's not really a choice of theirs, if I'm honest. Yeah. Like Nigeria, Nigeria tried to ban Bitcoin about two months ago, and Nigeria's now got the highest business bit Bitcoin rate really in the world because they because I mean I don't know I can't remember what their what's what's the currency in Nigeria? Oh man, I don't Do you even remember. Know. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, well, whatever their currency is, is yeah. relatively hard to exchange. Right. Okay. Bitcoin's easy, easy yeah. to exchange. So, Niger- what what businesses have been doing in Nigeria is they've been trading with places like China and 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 Russia and and places like this that they can't normally trade with because yeah. laws restrict them, but they can if they do it in Bitcoin because Bitcoin's decentralized. So, well, couldn't the government at one point just stop that and be like, right, I'm, I'm now making it illegal for you not to with, trade? Not without completely banning the internet and yeah. and creating. I mean, I don't know. It, I, I don't know the ins and outs. I'm not going to sit here and claim to be some type of genius yeah, yeah. on it. But, but, um, but I know that the the restrictions, even creating restrictions, are restricted. Right, if you see okay. what I'm saying, yeah, like, yeah. In the sense that, like, a government can only ban it so far. Like they can, they can't do. It. Like you would have to ban other things in order to ban Bitcoin, or, or like you would have to ban a free use of internet, which, yeah. which to an extent is is kind of banning a freedom of speech, which then is comes into yeah, yeah. a whole different bracket of. Do you know what I mean? Like society. So I mean, I don't know. It's it's a. I know there's a lot of ins and outs, um, and I don't like I said I don't know everything about it, but. I, I feel from my personal perspective, I've, I've watched a lot of stuff on it, but I can't draw from everything that I've watched because yeah, in my head I've just drawn a blank. But yeah, like the the I think the biggest thing, I mean, even if you concentrate less on the crypto and just concentrate on the NFTs, like from an NFT standpoint, right now NFTs are hype. Yeah. Like so, if you've if you've got a small fan base, and you add, but you've got a fan base to 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 go to who you potentially could see find any use from your NFTs, then by all means, I believe, do it. There's a, there's a guy, there's a producer called Blau. He was one of the first people to do it. He actually done something back in 2018 as well, I believe. Right. But he um he recently sold an album, I think, for, I think, I can't remember how much it actually was now, drawing off the top of my head. But no, um, people are selling, like, royalties and stuff through them as well, aren't they? Yeah, that's going to become techie, though. Mm. Like, we had this conversation recently, but I think the royalty thing is going to become techie because... Yeah. The royalty thing is where the legality comes into it. Right. And so I think, and and there's more parties, like, for instance, like selling your royalties on a track. For, like, if, if you're an artist and you're selling your royalties on a track, you're not the only person who collects royalties on them. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's there's a producer. There's whoever owns the master. If you don't own the master, that's whoever owns the master as well. So, like, it, I don't know. I think it becomes... When you start selling royalties, I think it becomes super um, techie. I suppose because there was a contract in place at the start, so I, I, how can you like sell a part of the contract? You know what I mean? So I can yeah. imagine. How I think that if, you, if you're produ- if you're a producer who owns everything, like if you own all of your masters, you're the producer, yeah. and you're the artist, and you're the record label. Then it's a bit. There's different. no reason. Yeah, yeah, because you're the only person who could argue with you. <laughs> yeah, but if it's a major something to do with a major label where there's there's so many different people involved, that's when it can get a bit sticky. Yeah. So what yeah, if someone sure. what if someone does want to sell something, like sell an NFT? Like, what's the process for them? So uh, I'll speak from experience because I've uploaded NFTs for people. Yeah. So there's two ways to upload NFTs. I have never done an NFT through the traditional way, which is actually to do it with gas, essentially, right. is the is the quote in the community. But that means you have to pay 
to upload an NFT and I'm not being funny if you're like me and stingy and you don't <laughs> want to pay any money to do it. Yeah. It costs you about it'll probably cost you the equivalent of about a hundred to hundred and ten pounds. Right. If you want to upload something on like a big major platform like Rareable or um Nifty Gateway or something like that, yeah. then you do it you do it through that. Um but the way I found out about doing it gasless was actually through Illmind. He uploaded through a platform called Mintable that I'd never heard of before. I think that's um, what Illmind uses. I've heard him talk about that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's what I was saying. So I found I found it through him. He oh, literally right, okay. uploaded that. So I, I I literally found the platform, and then I realised that because I was I was thinking like I mean it's worth it for someone like Ilmond if you're gonna invest a hundred pound, hundred ten quid, which is like yeah, I don't know, yeah. the equivalent of what hundred seventy dollars, um to to do that. That's fine because you can sell six grand, but not everybody's gonna want to do that. Um, but Mintable offers a, a gasless upload which right. essentially means you don't have to pay any money, the item just goes onto the marketplace. It's, right, it's okay. essentially free-flowing. You still obviously get the money on the back end, but like it's essentially for the time that it's on an auction, it's not really owned by anybody. Yeah. Um, but it's free. So Right, I'm with you. And you still claim your creator um, percentage. So you'd go onto Mintable, you upload. Um, I've got literally, if you want if you want an actual step-by-step guide, I've actually got a step-by-step guide that I created. It's on my Instagram, which is at AudioSlugs or Twitter at AudioSlugs. They're both, it's both on... Oh, yeah, sorry, I saw you post that, actually. Both them. You can't really yeah, get much yeah. clearer than that, can it? So, yeah, it's, anyone it's, listening, it's, it's, just check yeah, it out. It's, if I can upload it, then it's definitely... I'd, I'd like to class it as an idiot, so <laughs> if I can do it. Um, but, yeah, like, it's... Uh, that's how you do it for free. Yeah. And to be honest with you, if you're doing it for free, it's the risk obviously is a lot less because you're not losing any money to yeah. do it. So you've, even if you do have a small fan base, then maybe try it. Like that's that's all I could say. I I do think that the NFTs right now is the time to jump on it because I do think it is a bubble, and I think that I'm not saying that it will go away because I don't think it will go away, but yeah. I think that the barrier for entry will become a lot higher and it will become a lot harder to sell an nft for an amount that's worth it yeah that makes sense yeah i think even if you don't have an audience it might be worth because you can actually collect royalties on them can't you like say i don't know if, if that's just standard on all of them but do you set it up in a way that if yeah so when you, when you upload yeah. yeah so when you upload via like mintable for instance you you'll have an option to create to have a creator's commission essentially right. yeah. so for every future sale so if that goes up in price i mean if you keep it in ethereum anyway realistically you should you'd you'd gain the benefits because yeah, the, yeah. the the currency itself will go up but even if you don't you can take your creator commission um and then you get 10 normally 10 percent is like the standard but if you right. want to take 50 percent, if you want to take 60 percent, it's completely up to you but 10 percent is the standard um and then you take 10 percent of every future sale so if in the future for some reason your nft that you thought was going to do nothing yeah. ended up being worth 100 grand in the future you'd still see some of that so it's still worth it so in a in a way could you could you release let's say a new producer yeah could you release something like for yourself like let's say it's a, a card it's like a j cactus card like could i yeah. could i buy that from myself and then let's say I'm just holding on to that card and then in 10 years time, let's say I'm the biggest producer the world's ever seen, that card's worth a lot more and then I can sell that on. Is that how it would, essentially, would, would yeah. work? You probably could yeah. do that. Or, yeah, or you could just kind of give them away to your audience if you if you don't have a huge yeah, I think audience. That's, I, think that's, I think that's a good 
a good way to look at it, like the NFT giving away an NFT. Yeah. Is it, is it, I've seen I've seen a few people doing it now, giving yeah. away NFTs and things. Like, I, I haven't seen many UK people get on it, and that's why I've been like very onto people about doing it. But there are a few people that have popped up in my DMs. I won't yeah. mention names, but like there are a few people of stature that have definitely popped up in my DMs who are looking to release NFTs or at least interested in the in the um, movement. So yeah. I think the getting onto it, like, I, that's why I've been so big on it, if I'm honest, on social, because I always see Americans do this thing yeah. where they're always like the first on it. Yeah, and yeah, like yeah. they're always like, and, and there's floods of them who like upload this stuff and, and we're always last. And I feel like this is kind of something that's, it's not an even playing field because obviously the population difference is ridiculous, but right. like it, it's, we can get on it. Do you know what I mean? We can get on it as quickly as they have. Yeah, like if course. Ilmine's the first one to do it, he's still only released a month ago. Yeah. So therefore all of us can jump on, we can get an NFT out. And even if like, yeah, like you said, even if you don't have a fan base, if you're doing it for free or you're giving it away, it's still worth it. It's still worth it. Yeah. Just Cause if you're going to keep it, some commission that's all, that's or some royalties, like just giving away like maybe five, 10 things, like even if it's as small as that, you never know what yeah. they're going to be worth in 10 years time. And it hasn't really exactly. cost you anything to, to get them on there. So why not give it a try whilst it is free yeah. and whilst it is so no, easily exactly. accessible. Is that it? Well, yeah, bro. I know we've been through, been through loads, man. We've been through your come up story, how you got your placements, literally everything that I wanted to talk about, including NFTs. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say I appreciate your time, bro. Um, I think the podcast has probably been like, it's not even coming up on mine, but I want to say close to two hours, if not two hours. Yeah. So this was a solid one, man. But yo, yeah, I appreciate you. your time and just let everyone know where they can find you. I know you've mentioned it a couple of times anyway, but <laughs> tell, <laughs> tell everyone where they can find it's, you if you've got anything that's coming out you want to share anything with everyone. Yeah, man, it's super easy. It's at Audio Slugs on everything. Audio Slugs everything because I had pla- I had a, I was on the platforms from when you used to be able to get links for everything. So yeah. Audio Slugs is there. Um, I am I'm I'm getting super into the loop space of things uh, over the next few months. I've got a website called darkloops.com no, dark loop, darkloops.co.uk, sorry. Yeah. Uh, which is essentially my BeatStars store at the moment. I released right. a free pack literally yesterday. It was an acoustic guitar pack. Um I have to drop I don't know if I dropped that over to you, but I'll have to drop that over to you actually. Appreciate um, that, man. And uh yeah, man, I'm just getting I'm getting super into the loop space of things. So yeah, just just keep an eye out for that but yeah youtube audio slugs twitter audio slugs instagram audio slugs tiktok audio slugs soundcloud audio slugs everything's audio slugs so yeah easy man. to remember exactly all right man well yo anyone listening make sure you hit him up follow him on all socials stay tuned for what he's got coming and yeah we'll see you next time